then from that place, God, universe, our souls, peyote, all these things were then saying like, ding, da, da, ding, 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 now it's time. Now they've ascended to this place, sovereignty, sovereignty, together now. I'm Luke Story. For the past 22 years, I've been relentlessly committed to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of spirituality, health, psychology, and personal development. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. If you listen to this show, you know that I always say nature is the ultimate biohack, right? So I've been doing a simple and natural therapy in my house every morning and sometimes in the evening for the past three years, and it has worked wonders for me. I've seen a huge boost in my testosterone levels. I have way less inflammation, and my skin complexion has never been clearer. What's the secret? Well, every morning I spend about 10 to 15 minutes in front of my Juve red light therapy system. That's J-O-O-V-V. Natural light is crucial for your cellular health, and most of us don't get nearly enough light for optimal health. But with my Juve, I get a full day's worth of healthy natural light in just a few minutes right in my own home. Problem solved. I mean, I live in LA, it's sunny, but honestly, some days I don't get out there and do as much as I'd like to. So the natural light from a Juve supercharges the mitochondria in your cell so your body can make more energy. There's all kinds of health benefits backed up by thousands of peer-reviewed clinical studies for those of you that like that. For the simple version of it, you can just go to juve.com forward slash Luke. That's J-O-O-V-V.com forward slash Luke. Over there, you're going to get a special bonus from the team at Juve and you can dive into the research as to the efficiency and legitimacy of this therapy. That's juve.com forward slash Luke. Check it out. I want to take a moment to celebrate a couple things here. One is one of my favorite sponsors, Four Sigmatic. Man, these guys have been so loyal to me. They've been with me for years. I know you guys have supported them, and I'm just so happy to keep sending my listeners over to their website. But what I'm really excited about is their mushroom coffee. They make a lot of different products. They're known for their uh, medicinal mushrooms, but the mushroom coffee is very special. It's got lion's mane, which is amazing for your brain. It's good for focus, productivity, and creativity. I drink this stuff all the time, especially when I'm recording. And it also has chaga, the king of mushrooms, that supports your immune system. And it's also a really potent antioxidant. So while these shrooms don't contain psilocybin, in other words, they don't make you trip, they really help you think. And with the caffeine and the coffee, it is a magical elixir and I use it all the time. What's really cool too is that this has about half the caffeine of regular coffee. So due to the fact that it comes in little packets, you can kind of just put as many packets as you want depending on how much energy you want and how tired you are. So when I travel, I might put three or four packets in one coffee and just get lit. However, on a normal day when I slept well and everything is as it should be, I'll put one packet, make myself a nice little shroom and coffee elixir every morning. Uh, my guests are also a huge fan of it. They often want tea when they come over, but when they want coffee, I always surprise them with how delicious and just amazing this mushroom coffee is. So I'd love for you to go check it out. Real easy to do. You go to foursigmatic.com forward slash Luke story. 
Enter the code Luke story at checkout and you're going to save 15% off. That website is foursigmatic.com forward slash Luke story. You spell that F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C, foursigmatic.com forward slash Luke story. Check it out. Get yourself some mushroom coffee. You just tuned in to what is probably the most meaningful conversation I've ever had on this podcast. It's episode 275, Come Together, Alice and Charles and the Art of Shamanic Love. Known as the rock star shaman for today's modern times, Allison unites the wisdoms of earth, rock, and sky star. As a spiritual teacher, spirit animal medium, TV host, and keynote speaker, she's revolutionizing the way ancient wisdom merges with the world we live in today. Oprah Magazine selected Allison's guided shamanic spirit animal journey as a top meditation to try, and Forbes described her work as a full-fledged guide into your psyche. Marie Claire Magazine named her the next big thing, and Dazed Digital listed her one of the top seven wellness accounts on Instagram, which, by the way, you can find at I am Allison Charles. You might as well follow me while you're at it, at Luke Story. If you were following both of us, you could have watched this uh, on either of our accounts as we recorded this conversation live. As a leading pioneer in her field, Allison brings her experience to the mainstream in powerfully creative ways. She's the resident guru for Well and Good, where she provides monthly spirit animal and energy forecasts. She made history in becoming the first person in the 25-year history of the HBO Film Festival to perform on stage where she led a meditation for 10,000 people. And at the Pop Sugar Playground, the world's largest ever female-led festival with over 15,000 attendees, Allison led a spirit animal journey. Meditations led by Allison can also be found on Amazon's award-winning technology Alexa and Google Home. She regularly partners and speaks at renowned global brands like the New York Times, National Geographic Channel, Forbes, Art Basel, Saks Fifth Avenue, ABC Radio, Elle and Self Magazines, and many more. And her wildly popular spiritual courses, Spirit School and Third Eye Certified, are repeatedly sold out each season. She's currently working on her first book in Card Deck Power Animals, which will be released in the fall of 2021. And her new podcast, Ceremony Circle, debuts this spring. In addition to all of that, she happens to be my best friend, my beloved partner, and my favorite person in the entire world. Now, before we jump into this intimate conversation, make sure to check out her brand new course, Spirit School. You can find that at soulreboot.allisoncharles.com. Now, if you enter the code lifestylist there, you're going to save 10% off your entry. You can also find those links and all the other links for that matter in the show notes for this episode. Before we jump into this heartfelt and intimate conversation with my lady, Allison, I'd like to invite you to join me for an entirely different show this Friday with Dr. Rashid Buttar, Pandemic Power Play, Challenging the Media and Big Pharma Virus Narrative. Whoa, that one is a mind blower, folks. So you better just subscribe to this podcast so that one pops up in your feed because if you're confused by some of the current events we're seeing unfold, uh, I think you're going to truly be awakened by Dr. Buttar on Friday. Then Tuesday, back to our regular programming with Down to Earth, Regenerative Farming, The Soul of Soil and Conscious Commerce with Ryland Englehart. 
Now, this conversation with Allison started out as a formal interview. I had some questions and such, but quickly took a natural and very vulnerable turn into a conversation about the nature and origins of our relationship and all the experiences that we've had that led us to our union. Here's a taste of some of the many intimate moments that transpired when we flipped the mics on. What has happened since we last recorded her first appearance, episode 111? And by the way, for more of her backstory, please go back and give that a listen as we just kind of jump into current affairs with her this time around. Then we talk about the moment we connected in that first meeting in New York City and the sparks that flew and how we chose to ignore them, how we're dealing with the COVID-19 lockdown while living together, her experiences with plant medicines and how peyote was at the center of our becoming an official couple the difference between plant medicines and recreational drugs, her long break from relationships and how she knew she was ready to explore again, how she learned to have a healthy relationship by being alone, what it was like the moment I broke out of the friend zone with her at a coffee meeting, our first date on New Year's Eve at a Kundalini yoga party, and what she thought of our first kiss, what makes our relationship work, and the tools we apply to keep our hearts open. In addition to the points I just outlined, essentially what you're going to hear in this episode is a fly on the wall, no holds barred conversation between me and the person I'm in the most beautiful relationship of my life with. And uh, it was a bit vulnerable for us to present this episode. In fact, we were talking about it earlier tonight as I was preparing to record the intro and we almost kind of had second thoughts, you know, should we put out more of an official interview in the regular Q&A format and then later on kind of have a chat about how we met and how we get along and how we're evolving together. And we thought, eh, you know what? It is what it is. It, it's a conversation that uh, is an open window into what I hope can be an inspiring and educational and open-hearted exploration into the romantic life we've shared together. And uh, I'm extremely happy about everything that's transpired. And it's also just really fun to kind of share this. I know that listeners of the show that have been around for a while have uh, perhaps watched my journey and relationships or something. I've, I've covered a lot with many of our guests like John Wineland and John Gray and many other uh, amazing experts on the topic. And it's been something that I've been fascinated with for years because early in life, I, I chose to kind of ignore this part of my life and worked on my career and was up to other things. And uh, I've been increasingly called to uh, find a partner that I'm so aligned with and I've found one. And that's what this episode is about. So it's about Allison. It's about us. And uh, I'm hoping that it will give you some tools and inspiration to perhaps um, improve the relationship you're in or find one that you so desire. And if you're someone that chooses not to be in a relationship, uh, that's wonderful too. And um, hopefully you'll get something out of this as well. Someday you might just change your mind and decide to jump off the deep end. Before we jump into this conversation with Allison, I'd like to invite you to join both of us this Friday, April 24th at 1130 a.m., where we're going to present a live stream with Frequency Mind and lead all of you who choose to join us in a guided meditation and shamanic journey. You can get entry to that online event at lukestory.com forward slash events. And uh, you can rest assured that this will be the first of many offerings that Alice and I do together. We have a great time. And you can rest assured that this will be one of many events that Alice and I will be presenting both online and in person in the near future. So you can find that again at lukestory.com forward slash events. 
And with that, my friends, I'll invite you to join me in celebrating the lovely and wise Allison Charles. Here we are back again, Allison Charles. All right. Under such different circumstances. Uh, kind of couldn't be more different because I used to call you my dear brother. <laughs> I found out uh, a long time after that, yeah, you never really liked that, but uh, went from, uh, what was that really funny book title? I said, my next book's going to be from brother to boyfriend. Ew. And it's the story of how <laughs> how we went from me calling you my brother to being my partner. But yeah, uh, everything has changed. Well, to be, actually to look at that, more closely when we were totally in the friend zone the brother thing didn't bother me it's only when i started getting my sights set on you that i that started to rub me the wrong way okay because when you when you know when a woman's like hey you're my brother then you're that's just so far into the friend zone there's there's seeming seemingly no way out of that right but i also explained that as a spiritual path walker and shaman when i call a male like my brother or dear brother it comes from that like sacred spiritual place so so for me it was and i've always told you i loved you too the whole the whole journey we've known each other for over or about 3 years and the whole time it was just such an kindred soul connection with you that even when we were both celibate and in the friend zone i would always express that i i loved you maybe that's why as a former fearful, love avoidant, unavailable male type uh, that I wasn't really thrown off when you told me the time you really told me. Right. It was, I'll admit, it was even a little, just under the circumstances, which I'm sure we'll go into, was a little like, oh shit, we're there already. But then, (laughs) but then every time we spoke, you would say that just perhaps without that much feeling. That would be correct. Yeah. So here we are. Uh, This is our first podcast together since episode 111. Mm -hmm. And uh, God, we've come such a long way. Individually and and collectively. And so I think I'll just start by telling anyone that wants to know the full backstory, at least that was like three years ago, we did 111, very auspicious number I came to learn later. Uh, But that's where we did like your whole backstory, your whole jam up until that point. So people that want a lot of backstory, even though we're going to give a bit of it now just for context, I want to encourage them to go back and listen to that. Also in episode 111 that we recorded uh, those years ago in New York City, there was this key moment and I and I've got a I've got the video from Facebook as I told you I have it saved in Dropbox for posterity. At some point it will you know be shown somewhere for some meaningful reason. There was this moment that we had, and I, you know I was in professional mode. I wasn't dating. I was celibate. You were too. I mean I thought you were attractive and all of that, but I'm never going to give that kind of thing energy in the interest of professionalism and not to make things awkward. And also and just where you were at with doing your inner development work. You yeah. had cut that. Flirting was not allowed. No. Self, I was self-restricting all forms of uh, intrigue and all that business. But there was a moment when we were recording and uh, the people that go back and listen to 111 will know this moment. <laughs> but I really, I think it was the first time I ever cried on my own podcast. That's what she said. And I wasn't in the habit of being that, uh, intimate, you know, and vulnerable during those conversations. But I remember we got on the topic of 
relationships and I was explaining, I think, just going, I have to go back and listen to it. We listened to it on the way to... We didn't get to that part yet. Yeah, though. we didn't get to the magical moment. But anyway, what what happened was I was describing how at that point in my life, I had made a couple attempts to have uh, uh, relationships that were of a deeper intimacy than I had formerly had and to be more vulnerable and more open-hearted. And the reason why I finally, as kind of a late bloomer, I think, um, as compared to most guys I know uh, that, you know, go out and really open their hearts and become vulnerable and run the risk of being heartbroken, uh, was that I had done so much inner work over the years, the Kundalini yoga, all the practices, all the meditation that my heart had opened so much and this capacity to express love and to receive love had grown so big Mm -hmm. and so powerful that I literally couldn't hold it in anymore. And so I made a couple attempts at um, relationships in which I really did open my heart or at least as capable as I was at that moment. And it was so terrifying. And the thing that I was always most afraid of did happen. It didn't work out and it was really painful and all of that. But when I shared that with you in our prior conversation... Or it wasn't private. It was on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, but. yeah, yeah. No, prior conversation. Oh, prior. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a private. I remember that moment and and I just, I looked at you and it was just, it was such a powerful moment because you just, you looked at me with such kindness and there was this lack of judgment and this total complete acceptance that you had of me in that moment. And it was, it was embarrassing, you know, like you're a pretty woman, I'm interviewing you. And all of a sudden I start to tear up and I was just like, Oh my God, I'm mortified. How is this happening? And you didn't flinch. You just like leaned in and we're just there. And it was a really powerful moment for me on the podcast. And then I think if I'm not mistaken, I remember, I think I remember texting you and being like, dude, I'm going to cut out that one part. That was like, whack. I can't, I have to be cooler than that. Yes, you know, my, yes. my defenses came up and like, yeah, that was way too authentic. Yeah. You wanted to edit it out. But I think the big gem in that part is the deeper part of you really didn't. Otherwise you would not have texted. You would not have messaged me and said that because I think the deeper part of you knew I was going to be like what I said. I said, no, vulnerability is the real juice of life. Like that's what life is all about. You have to keep it in. And then you're, you were just like, are you sure? Okay, I will. But I, deep down inside, I think you knew it had a place. Um, but I understand, you know, that it felt embarrassing. But for me, that's one of the things that I love about you so much. And in hindsight, and I think at some point we'll maybe get to reflecting more, um, but we look back to, of course, that time, because that was the first official time we met was when I was on your show. And then I was really calling in, you know, a sacred partner who had done years of work, who had really faced themselves, who had gotten to a place of security and what I consider true strength within themselves, where they can express vulnerably and be honest and open their heart up and be emotionally vulnerable with me. So in that moment, you know, that I was really loving it. And I was the furthest from being like, how I feel embarrassed for him. I was just like, oh my God, this is, yes. Like this is what life is all about, you know? So I, I loved it so much uh, seeing that side of you. And it's in that, those moments are so powerful and of service for everyone else to just let layers go and let their hearts open up too. It's a real medicine that trans transmits. 
And that was the moment, sorry, and then I'll, I'll, I'll stop. But I will say that at that point three years ago, you know, I'd walked the path enough too that it really truly was a place of non-judgment because I love uh, one of my favorite quotes is when you know yourself, you know the world. And after I had had my divine intervention and my spiritual awakening and saw the truth of me and the veil lifted on earth and myself and my, my previous relationship that was the instrument for that awakening, it's like, once all of those veils lifted and I saw all those truths about myself, I, I really quickly realized I can never judge another again. You know what I'm saying? Because that's when I started to do shadow work and really face all aspects of myself. And so I am really strong at holding space for anything that needs expressed, you know? It's interesting in the age of social media and instantaneous sharing of ourselves, there's one side of it that's the polished face-tuned photos and the perfect lighting and the perfect filters and you know showing your perfect rolex with your hand on the perfect right bmw or whatever you know like the kind of vapid superficial side of social media and not that there's anything wrong with that because there there's art in that also right and it can be inspiring yeah there's the aspirational inspirational part but it's funny that there's this double-edged sword that's available to us that we can use this unedited, free-form, live, instantaneous uh, sharing of media to share the innermost, true, most authentic parts of ourselves. And it was in that moment with you uh, that, you know, and thank you for your, your permission and your holding space for that and also your encouragement of me to like go in that direction. Because what happened was as a result of that moment, uh, it was it was uh, a newfound liberation within me to take the conversations that I have on the show to another level mm. and to not really filter them in any way mm. uh, other than sometimes just things, I mean, you know me now <laughs> quite intimately, there's many things I say in private that I would never say on, you know the show or anything like that because people wouldn't understand the context right. of it and I have a really effed up sense of humor, et cetera. But in terms of telling my backstory and revealing things about myself that I used to be kind of ashamed of and uh, just having those moments of, of breaking down or heart opening or realization, the more I've dripped those out and also helped hold space and facilitate those experiences for the guests on the show, the more feedback I get all the time, mm. it kind of pushes the envelope mm-hmm. of that because then someone will message in and say, oh my God, this was such a moving experience for me. Mm. I thought I was the only one that did that or felt this or it had these experiences, et cetera. So mm. uh, in the realm of you know, the most intimate for, for many of us in the realm of relationships and, and you know, romantic intimacy and past eating disorders and addictions and so many mm-hmm. things that... All those shadowy stuff that we used to hold shame around. Yeah. They need breath and expression. And they're the things that people love hearing the most (sighs) because I think in in the era of that shiny fake social media and God knows the the mainstream media in Hollywood and where everything's very polished and... and, Seemingly perfect. Yes, synthetic in a way that people are hungry for the real shit. Well, right. And you're hitting on something that is so timely. Um, of course, when we have these kinds of conversations, it always like, it's like a ping pong table. I love it. Because right now, more than ever, it's about heart and tuning into our soul and our heart intelligence and being guided from uh, the messages of our heart. And I, I even posted a long time ago uh, on Instagram, uh, you know, something like it's on a quote card I did, like the new paradigm will be 
uh, led from the heart. I was picking up on this area and time and, and the planet and the life that we're now at quite some time ago. And I was just having this conversation a couple of days ago with a fellow dear shamanic sister, Hey, Nicole. Um, and we were talking about, you know, there tends to be these two different styles of leadership. And one style of leadership is when someone kind of, in some ways, almost like barks orders at you and tells you like, I'm going to lead. This is what's happening. This is what you need to do. This is what's going on. If you do this, you will feel this. And it's very like this kind of energy. It's very direct and strong and command-like. And then there's this other avenue of leadership that's just way more raw and to me feels more genuine in a lot of respects. And it's more from the heart and it's more vulnerable and more honest and um, more putting yourself out there as a leader saying, yeah, I might be a spiritual leader, but this is what I'm currently facing with my shadow work or whatever's coming up for me in my personal life. And you're leading more from that avenue instead of acting like your life is perfect. And because I have it all figured out, I'm going to teach you what to do. And so I just think it's so beautiful that organically this this got brought up now because uh, it is something I've been wanting to talk about a little bit more, just these two leadership styles. And to me, I think as a collective humanity, we do want more realness, rawness, and that that comes from the heart. So I look forward to hopefully seeing more heart-led, uh, genuine, embodied heart medicine leadership uh, coming out on the planet. Aho. <laughs> Aho. Yeah, I think the difference there is there's a, the new paradigm is that of modeling, right? Where you're kind of modeling what the journey to awakening looks like. Mm. And not just modeling the point of arrival, but modeling the journey mm-hmm. along the way. That, that's one of the reasons I always like to show my ass, figuratively speaking, although I think I probably have showed it on social media. Um, in a creek, <laughs> in, a, in a hot spring yeah, exactly. somewhere. It's cold plunging somewhere in the woods. But I, I like, one of the reasons I like live streaming all the things, you know, like just now I did a story of like how shitty the other side of the <laughs> studio looks right now, which mm-hmm. is this tiny ass room, my man cave office slash lifestylist podcast it's studio. It's actually a really beautiful room. But. No, it, it is. But like, you know, with someone uh, like me with an eye for detail, just the cables and the things yeah. out and I'm just a bit, um, you know, OCD aesthetically. But uh, when we started here, I'm having a total meltdown because the printer wouldn't print my my notes for the episode. And then, so I went to reset the printer and it, it went on like this R2-D2 possessed like Satan of a printer. <laughs> it wouldn't stop. We're trying to record. And so those are the kind of things you don't see in mainstream media. All of that's hidden away. Mm-hmm. And of course, I want the finished product of this episode to not show any of that, but it's it's fun to be able to use social media to show like that everyone's human and that there's real shit that happens and yeah. that I'm freaked out before every interview in a total basket <laughs> case. And then the minute I hit that little red button down there, uh, something happens and I just like zoom into the person that I'm sitting with. And then, you know, that's the finished product and that's where the real magic happens. But I yeah. think that you know, those of us that um, have some eyes and ears on us to whatever degree we do, I don't think I'm Tony Robbins or something, but yeah, a few people follow the show, mm-hmm. a few tens of thousands at this point. And, uh, oh, you have like 4 million downloads, but I, I appreciate your humility. Well, I never, you know, I never want to give the picture that I have it all figured out because that type of leader 
turns me off. Me too. Me too. I want to know that people are still neurotic sometimes. And that's what I loved about Ram Dass, you know, God rest his soul, is even at the end of his journey post-stroke and Mm -hmm. all the things that he'd been through and all the years of psychedelics Mm -hmm. and, you know, hanging with his guru and all that, he would still admittedly be like, yeah, sometimes I'm totally nuts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, my, my humanity still shows up. And yes. I think those of us that are on the path of enlightenment uh, would be well advised to understand that there is the arrival point is you leave your body. Correct. Right? <laughs> so yeah. it's like, do you really want to get there that fast? Well, yeah. And in shamanism, um, at least from my perspective and the way that my shamanic medicine moves through me is that it is the path of infinite evolution. And so there's nothing that excites me more about earth, my earth walk in general, the spiritual path in general, and specifically the shamanic path in general than that aspect of it. It's the aspect that every single day there are infinite places within myself, within my own being. And then beyond that, there are infinite places in the unseen realms in which I can traverse to learn and be in wonderment and to experience miracles and to question and to explore. And so I love how humbling this path is. Uh, The further I've gotten on it, the more humbled I've gotten. And I just, I, I love that dichotomy. And, uh, so yeah, I, I like the uh, the real real rawness of it too, and the fact that we can can always keep learning. So I don't ever want to act like I have it all figured out. Someone commented; it was one of my favorite comments of all time. I think it was just yesterday, and I, I wish I could say it better because I just glanced through it. But she said, "I love that you you know don't seem like some untouchable celebrity. Like you're so relatable and so accessible." And I know that I know that you're no better than me. Like, and to me, that was a testament. I was like, "Oh, thank you for getting it." You know, because I I want people to always feel in in safe space with my work, and when they go to my page, like I'm learning and growing every single day, and I am no better than anyone else. <laughs> I might be a shaman and I'm a spiritual teacher, but I am no better than anyone. Well, I would like to say that. I think you have your shit very together. Mm, thank you. And it's inspiring to me to see how level-headed you are. Oh, thank you. Honey. Yeah, it's wild. It's wild. <laughs> More so than most people I know, male or female. Yeah, like sometimes I'm expecting you to be like, I don't know, maybe it's just my own, it's, it's some of my own baggage that I just, childhood stuff, whatever, where I feel like someone's going to be mad at me all the time because... <laughs> I behaved in ways that pissed people off a lot. And I was around a lot of nutty people that Mm. had their own shit projected on me. But I'm surprised at how, um, even if like we ever do hit a rough spot or you get a little crunchy, as you say, around something, how quickly you're able to recover and Mm. get back to center and how often I think there's something going on and I check in with you and you're like, what? We're good. What are you talking about? Mm. And it's like my own paranoia projecting that there's some kind of thing to talk about or some sort of problem. So... I want to acknowledge uh, how far you've come. Mm, thank you. You know, and also the fact that I don't know where you came from exactly. So I don't know, you know, what I don't see the contrast there as I see within myself or other people that I've known for much longer than you. Yeah, I mean, I think in some ways it is a, a vast departure to my pre-awakening life. Like pre-awakening, I was having a lot of anxiety attacks and panic disorder and 
you know, I was, I still have rebel as one of my main archetypes. It's just now more healthily integrated, but the rebel in me growing up was expressing in a lot of unhealthy ways at many various times. And so it's been really beautiful for me to witness my extreme evolution too. It's such a testament to when you become devoted to the path, when you really get committed to a spiritual lifestyle and spiritual practices, it really works. <laughs> like it works miracles every single day. I'm a, I'm a totally different person. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. I wish sometimes that there was like footage of you being the old self just so I could- Oh my <laughs> God. You having a panic attack meltdown over some, some you know, insignificant uh, in hindsight event. And well, I don't really want to see it, but it would be interesting because I only know you as this- really awake, bright and shiny, happy, supportive, awesome person. I always had those aspects in me too. Like I've always been silly and goofy and always had a bright aura and essence. Um, but yeah, I, I was I was unhealed and, and there were a lot of traumas and wounds that had not even been glanced at at that point. And for almost two decades, as you know, I was in a very codependent, uh, very dysfunctional, at times very traumatizing relationship. And so there was just a lot of pain body, a lot of shadow stuff that was not being healed. And it that stuff can get pretty dark and pretty painful. As someone who is working on herself all the time, as am I, and that is committed to the path of evolution and growth, do you ever find yourself focusing uh, too much on the things that you still need to work on. I, I find for me, sometimes it's difficult for me because I'm, I'm always looking forward to what's next. So it's difficult for me to look back. Oh my God, 20 years ago, I was, you know, just completely neurotic and had all these drug problems and all of the Homeless. things. Yeah, that was one, one period. <laughs> you know, I mean, I just, I love your stories and it's so inspiring. And I know a lot of people maybe from my audience don't, don't know it. So yeah. I mean, when I was homeless, let's be fair. I mean, I, I, I was not sleeping on the street, but I was sleeping in garages and things. Like My favorite that. part about that story though, and you know what I'm going to say, is the fact that even while you are homeless, you are still figuring out ways to like pay down your debt and you were like still paying your bills and trying to be smart financially. I just, for some reason, that point highly amuses well, me. Well, when I became homeless, which really was more of a couch tour than like under the bridge homeless, right. you know, just to acknowledge the people that are truly, truly homeless. There were homes that let me in and I would house it for people and stuff like that, but I didn't have my own home. Uh, but one, one opportunity that I, that I recognized at that time was, wow, I'm, you know, I don't know what my rent was, maybe a thousand dollars a month at that point. But I was like, oh damn, if I was paying rent right now, I would, you know, be paying X amount of dollars. And so I would just apply that to some credit card debt that I ran up when I got my first credit cards or whatever. But it's just such a testament to who you are that when you're in the throes of your drug addictions and like, yeah, sleeping and living in this garage, somehow this other part of your intelligence was like, I'm going to figure out how to pay down my debt. You it's know. probably, you know, that comes from my dad. My dad's always been very fiscally responsible, yeah. very successful financially and not cheap, but wisely frugal and, and just common sense. He's never been in debt. He's bought everything he's ever bought. I think, I think he financed, he was in real estate. I think he financed one piece of land once and it drove him nuts mm. that he owed the bank anything. He's just, yeah. that guy is just old school, like Robert Kiyosaki. Kiyosaki, Robert Kiyosaki, rich man, rich dad, poor dad, yeah. Robert Kiyosaki, I think his name is. That's his vibe. Passive income, mm -hmm. you know, that stuff. But anyway, I digress. Uh, as someone who's come from a very rocky past, 
and you know, if I look at where I was and where I am now, I'd be like, woohoo, I'm killing it. Mm-hmm. But because I'm always focused on improving and growing and evolving, I find that sometimes I'm, I'm a little hard on myself and that I don't acknowledge my gains because I'm always looking at the next thing. I'm like zeroed in on that thing, even if it's a relatively small personal issue or character flaw or something that I'm trying to overcome. Okay. Do you ever find that, that you're sort of trapped and like, ah, always looking at, oh man, I still have to work on this and I still have to work on this and work on this. Like, how do you, how do you keep it in perspective? It never feels like that. Like that essence that came out as you described it in that way of that, of that sigh of like, oh, or that kind of growl of like, oh, now I've got to work on this and work on this. I freaking love this earth life and I love my calling in shamanism. And so to me, I think it's perhaps due to my many lifetimes doing this work and a combination of other things, but the evolutionary aspect, like I said, it's, it's my favorite. So it never, it never really feels like a chore. I will say the one area though, that I have really grown in is I used to take the spiritual path a lot more seriously than I do now. And, and I think that was large in part because I was doing so much incessant shadow work at that time. And shadow work is not for the faint of heart. I mean, I had uh, years of, you know, really facing my greatest fears and, and doing the deepest work of my life. And so when you're traversing those waters and having those kinds of spiritual fires, like raging and roaring through and you're in so many aspects of the old you that has to die off in order for you to be the Phoenix rising and to be an embodiment in the way you need to be, to be of service, the way you came here to be and so on and so forth. Like those kinds of passageways on the spiritual path can feel extremely daunting. And so during those times, it did feel a lot heavier and a lot more serious. But because I'm so consciously aware, I would catch that. And if there were days upon days on end where I was just like in the depths and in the throes and just like feeling a lot of pain, I would I would pull myself out. And then I really made a strong pivot with that piece uh, just uh, since uh, January, actually. I typically, my main go-to goddess is goddess Isis from Egypt. And she's a ferocious, fierce, like, you know, queen of magic and the healing arts, but she will take you to the places that you need to acknowledge to transcend. And then when January hit, there was a lot of huge pivotal uh, shifts in my life. And one of which is I, you know, bowed in honor to goddess Isis, who will ever be my sister. And I have a lot of her soul particles in me, but I transitioned to working and calling in goddess Anya, the Celtic goddess of like lightheartedness and fertility and play and prosperity. And so when I called her forward to ask if she wanted to work with me and her permission to, you know, co-create with her, it was like a full on yes. And since I've invited her essence in um, to kind of teach and guide me and show me the way with this new way of living, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. I'm all about, I think before I also used to fear that if I was too much of a playful shaman, that people wouldn't understand the, the depth of sacredness to which I work from, or they would, or they would assume um, if I was, you know, a playful shaman, um, really lighthearted shaman, they would assume that I've not really been through enough 
shit or faced and done the really hard, scary, deep work, you know? So I was creating those own false narratives in my mind and I'm just continuously facing it all and giving myself permission to be who I feel called to be. And I feel called to be a lot more joyful and playful right now. And it feels good in my body and it feels good on me. So I'm going to keep doing that. It feels good to hang out with you. Yeah, you tell me all the time. You're like, you're just so fun. <laughs> we have, I mean, for those listening, we have the best time. We like, really do. It's ridiculous how... <laughs> we laugh all the time. It's ridiculous how silly we are. It's it's so fun too, because I think it's, you know, for where I was kind of going with that was sometimes I forget to celebrate the wins and the gains and to just acknowledge how much work has been done and how much grace has been bestowed upon me and how truly blessed I am to have not only survived the things that I've survived in life, but thrived through them. And mm-hmm. that now is really on the eve of my 50th birthday this year is like time to celebrate for all the hard work that's been put in. And you really bring that uh, into my life. And it's not even something I've had cognition around. It's just the air of playfulness that you bring into our home. And mm-hmm. we just have the best time. And it's, you know, it's such a It's also really, I think it goes back to what I was talking about earlier in our first meeting there when I had this moment of just, you know, cracking the armor of my heart open in front of you. And even though we didn't know one another, I still sensed, oh my God, it's very safe with this person. I felt so safe and so held. And in in our current relationship, it's so much easier for me to stay in that celebratory place of freedom and playfulness and ease and can really be myself. And it, it reminds me of, you know, advice I've gotten from my my dad over the years, who's one of those that models the relationship for me. I mean, it took him a few tries. He's not with my mom or my brother's mom, but he's happily married for, I think, 20 years now. And as I've explained to you um, before, maybe not on the show that I don't take advice from people that aren't doing what I want advice about, right? Correct, right. So I'm not going to take financial advice from someone who's broke and I'm not going to take relationship advice from someone who's had a lot of failed relationships and can't figure that out. Right. But one thing that he um, has always told me and when I've called him when I'm down and out and you know I've had the breakup or whatever, he's always said, Luke, you know, you, you want a relationship that you're in, not because it's exciting, but because it feels like home because mm. it's comfortable. And I remember when I was some years younger, I thought, wow, that sounds boring. Who right. wants that? I want to, it's got to be exciting, you know, or I forget the exact words, but that was this, that was the sentiment. Um, I was recently speaking with someone and they said, I was asking them about their relationship, which is very healthy. Um, and, uh, and she said, uh, God, I can't remember her name right at the moment. If you ever hear this, I'm so sorry. I'm having a brain <laughs> fart. Uh, but, uh, it was at the Joe Dispenza thing and, and I was describing our relationship as it was budding. And she said, yeah, with us, you know, it just, it doesn't feel like a drug. It feels Is it like Christine. Yeah. Christine. Hey, Christine. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's right. Thank you. Thank you. And her husband, that, that, that Italian name, God damn it. Um, anyway, need more paracetam. Uh, she said, it doesn't feel like a drug. It feels like home, mm, you know, and that's yes. been, it, it's the same thing my dad was getting at when, he, when I watch he and his wife may, they're just, they're so relaxed. There's no like tension. No one's walking on eggshells. There's no hypervigilance. It's everyone just like has their guard down. They're just being themselves. Yeah. PTSD isn't circulating through. <laughs> totally. The... Totally. Which I've experienced a lot. Me too. And, um, you know, so it's just, it's so nice to have that 
playful air that we have and just be fun. And I, I really don't think there's anything that I hold back from you. I mean, you see me at my absolute worst. I really and do. Most nutty. And you're still, you just keep coming back. You laugh at me. And when I think you're going to be pissed at me about something, you're just laughing because I'm being so ridiculous, <laughs> you know? And it's, um, and then when you have, you know, you've had, I think maybe two days since we've been together where you're just like, heads up, I am psycho today, super irritable. Raging. Yeah, just, I don't know what's going on. And uh, and then it's wonderful to have that experience with you because I know it's not about me because you're right. able to communicate, hey, I'm having this experience over here. So heads up, like tread lightly. And I know that it's not about me and you're telling me it's not about me. So even if it does get a little bit sticky and we're not having one of those super fun free days where we're just farting around the house and just being ridiculously silly, um, that it's okay. It's like, cool. You're not always going to be up. No human being is ever going to be ecstatic all the time. Yeah, we're no, still... you don't want that. I mean, you want to be able to, yeah, ex experience the full range of human emotions. And once you uh, go into both sides of that spectrum pretty deeply, then that's, it's through those experiences that you learn to trust yourself that, and that's how I keep my center. And I think that goes back to that level headedness is like, I know at this point, no matter what comes my way because of some of the deeply painful and traumatizing things I've been through and I have been brought to my knees and I have been in agonizing emotional pain and all of that stuff because I've gone so far to the right on that end of the human emotion spectrum. Um, it, it always pings you back the other way too. And I now trust myself. I know I can navigate any waters that come my way. That does not mean, now I will, one little bullet point that I say add in is, is I let myself feel all that needs to be felt. I do not bypass. And that's such a key to shamanism and the spiritual path in general is that you always want to let yourself healthily experience and tap into whatever emotions are presenting. The key is just being consciously aware of them and not getting attached to them and not falling into victim mentality or, or whatever the thing is for too long. Uh, but to to not let a scary emotion enter in is what we call spiritual bypassing. And, and that's when it gets really dangerous, especially when one is a spiritual leader or teacher. You have to really watch out for people that have bypassed, who have not gone into the shadow work and have not really done the deep dives within themselves and done that lower chakra work. And they just kind of like cut off and only ping up to the cosmos. And they might be a genius numerologist or whatever, but... Uh, if they haven't done the the deep dark work, you got to really be careful about those those leaders. Yeah, I think that's a really important part of my personal practice is to <laughs> is to not fight whatever happens to present itself. Yeah, there's a great non resistance. Yeah, there's a great book uh, that I refer to a lot. From I always call him my favorite teacher. I don't know if I have a favorite teacher, but one that really took me through some some challenging periods and that's David R. Hawkins. We haven't talked about him a lot and I'm, I'm sure you're going to hear his audiobooks on long drives in the near future. But uh, before he died, he wrote a book called, um, uh, uh, well, God damn it. What's it called? Surrender, letting go the pathway of surrender, something like that. Anyway, mm -hmm. I've talked about it a million times. I never remember the name. So it's how I roll. But, uh, the whole book, which was his most simplistic writing, a lot of his other stuff was super deep, non-duality, like books you have to read 50 times to even like understand mm -hmm. one paragraph. They're just like very dense and very high level, uh, which is great reading because you never, 
master it. You know, but before he died, it was my sense that he wanted to leave something that was very tangible. And the whole book is about what you just described, like a detailed, uh, you know, um, instruction on how to allow those emotions, whether it be like ecstasy or joy or utmost despair, shame, whatever it is to allow them to fully manifest and to not fight them because then they become suppressed or repressed and compartmentalized and compacted into your auric field, essentially. It's right. not the terms he used, but that's how I would look at it or into the pain bodies you mentioned in the you know way uh, Eckhart Tolle would perhaps put it. Uh, but that was huge for me because I think so much of my life was spent prior trying to avoid any feelings that were remotely uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And in that, I was always trapped in them because I could never go through right. and, and pass through. Right. The only way out is through. Yeah. yeah. And so I think that that's really important. And it's, you know, I'm on the receiving end of you having worked through a lot of the shadow stuff and faced it right. so that you can access that place where those don't exist or, or where you can. And I think I share this as well. I know that I do actually, because I used to not be this way where if you get triggered by something and there's an old wound that gets activated rather than shutting it down, denying it, there's an acknowledgement and even sharing with your partner, hey, whoa, this trigger is hitting me right now. Let's both observe this trigger. Mm-hmm. Even let's say it's about each other even, which is even more difficult, you know, because then your heart's, the vulnerability of your heart's in play, which is even more scary. But let's both zoom out from this and I'm going to share my experience with you. And then we're both going to hover above it right. from the observer Correct. witness perspective Correct. And, and observe those feelings as something other than what we are and who we are, right? Rather than being like, I am angry. No, I'm experiencing something in my body that you could call anger, right? Right. And then we can both step outside of it and go, oh, wow, look at that anger over there. Yeah, right? and those are those exact moments where the biggest test is like, are you going to get defensive or not? You know what I mean? Because at that point, especially like you said, if it's a partnership calling out trigger thing, like when you, when you do this, it triggers me. And then you begin that exploration. Right then is that precise moment where the other person perhaps understandably so because we are human, can get really defensive because instantly your ego feels under attack and you think that this is a thing that's specifically about you. But if, yeah, if you can just stay in that heightened conscious state and be the observer and open up and pan out into that bigger orb that to be investigated, that's when just, yeah, so much energy and expansion opens up. It's really powerful. God, there were so many other things pinging in. Um, but I do think it's interesting. Can I just, cause there are so many pieces with this one piece. Um, I have had a breakdown. I won't get into the story, but I've had a, a, a legit massive breakdown when I was in my place in Brooklyn, probably a couple of years ago. I was like slobbering, you know, those kinds where it's just slobbers coming out. Cause you're just, or have you ever had that? When you're nah, just, I'm a man, dog. What? <laughs> You've never cried so hard that drool is just like, ah. yeah, so it was one of those. I mean, I was like on the floor, but it was so wild because my higher self went up to the ceiling. So I was 
in my body still to enough degree that I was having that human earthly experience that my higher self was floating and I was able to witness myself from the ceiling in that human state. And so my higher self was able to watch that and see the beauty and the miracle in that and see the evolutionary work taking place. So even though I was in those throws and drool was just stringing down to the floor and I was like, ah, then my higher self was like, God, this is, this is so beautiful. Look at the beauty in this. And that's the place that you can get to when you let yourself traverse in all these ways. The other little quick nugget is back when you were saying that you used to push away the discomfort. I think it's really beautiful that even now to in, in this present time, that's something you still watch about yourself and that you're still really conscious of because you have openly brought that up to me too. Even in the moment where we became a couple, that piece was a bit at play in that moment too. So I just, I don't know, that pinged in to bring up and we can get into it as much as you want to or if we talk and we want to share about the story of the moment we became a couple and all of that, which I'm sure they will want to hear. But that piece, you still are watching. It's to a much lesser degree. But I think it's beautiful that you still keep an eye on those things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because I think I have such a, high level of skill for avoiding discomfort. And as you know, I also have so many tools available in the spiritual and physical realm that can snap you out of that. And sometimes those are needed and sometimes the real medicine is just sitting with it and acknowledging it. But I think in the context of relationship, what's been really fun with you is, uh, and we haven't really had conflict and I'm because we're human, I'm sure perhaps we will, but there's been some, you know, a few difficult conversations where one of us is not feeling great about something that involves the other person. I think the really important distinction in terms of communication and just working through things like that. And I noticed this early on about you when we would have to talk, you would never say, you made me feel blank. You would say, Hey, when this situation went down like it did. (laughs) I experienced these feelings in myself, right? which is a huge distinction. I see. And see, that's the key that allows two people, and this could be in any relationship, to then immediately be in that observer position where you're both witnessing a phenomenon that's not you. It's something that the one person is experiencing. Mm -hmm. And what a great way to work through shit, right? Because if you tell me, you know, hey, come here, can I talk to you for a sec? Yeah, you make me feel mad. You made me feel sad. You made me feel this. When you did this. Yeah, it's like, mm, I can't make you feel any way. You can make yourself feel a way by believing whatever story you're telling yourself about what I did or about Mm -hmm. a situation that transpired. But just that one little shift of just, hey, I'm noticing uh, when this kind of thing happens, I have this experience inside and I have these sensations and these thoughts and these feelings. Let's take a look at that. (laughs) That's exactly how it goes. I mean, that's so awesome to be able to relate in any relationship dynamic in that way. It's such a gift to be able to have um, that degree of self-honesty and and awareness to know that my feelings aren't even my feelings, let alone are they being caused by someone else. Mm-hmm. Those feelings are just sensations that happen because there's 
subconscious traumas that are still lodged back in the brain. And you have this amygdala that shoots you full of adrenaline and cortisol when something reminds you of that thing that happened in the past. Oh, man. When in fact, it has no basis in reality. And that's where it gets so trippy. And I just want to thank you, honey, for acknowledging that about me. And I just want to thank you for the space that you hold. And when I have brought up different uh, wounding moments and different triggering moments, and I say to you how you just explained, uh, you, thankfully, you know, I'm aligning with you at this juncture in your path because you understand all those things you just said about how the brain works. And that's where it gets so trippy with triggering and wounding that hasn't fully been healed because there's so many layers to healing just one wound is that when if there's a wound that's open and gaping enough, and when I peered into this particular wound that we've worked for me off and on, you know, quite a bit since we've gotten together, when I was working with God on it, the vision of this wound was still really open and gaping. And on the outside, it was had infection around it. So I knew there's still a lot of work to be done. But when we go, when I say that I'm really triggered, you so fully understand then what's happening in my brain. And And I'm sharing all this too for everyone listening that it can get really trippy and tricky in your own head because those pathways, depending upon how many times you were traumatized in that particular wound, those pathways can really get carved in your brain. So when that wound gets pressed on or stabbed or like a sword, feels like a sword going through it, your brain kicks into that state and it really does feel real. And these are those really, really pivotal moments where it takes two highly, highly conscious and awake and spiritual people, I think, to navigate these waters in a very healthy, divine way because though triggers can be so painful and so all-encompassing and they can swirl you up and sweep you up and your brain will tell you this is unsafe this is what's happening but then to have someone like you on the other side being like okay sweetie so what's happening right now is your amygdala is freaking the fuck out and i need or whatever you say to me you know that's, then that's what it is and then i'm like i've interviewed enough neuroscientists <laughs> Because I'm so curious about where, like, what happens when you get triggered? What is going on? Why is it so painful? And yeah. why can't you get out of it? Right. Yeah. It sucks you in like a yeah. black hole. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you're able to speak to me in a way, and I trust you enough. That's another key piece to our relationship is somehow innately or our past lives or whatever this alchemy is that is you and I in this partnership is that you have been able to trust me along the way when I am seeing things and aware and sensing things that you're not and vice versa. So when I'm in that triggered state, I'm able to trust you that this isn't really the real thing that's happening. And then I'm able to have a different dialogue. And I'm like, okay, so help me. Like, what can I do right now? Because this triggers full on. What can I do right now to calm it a little bit? And then it gets really funny because when the trigger keeps going, I'm just like, oh my God, I'm still really triggered. But then it's almost like I'm still in the triggered pain, but I'm almost I'm laughing with it at the same time because I am starting to then see the absurdity and see that it's just the wound talking or the pain body that's activated. And anyways, I just think it's important to touch on because everyone encounters this. Yeah. It's the way we're, it's the way we're wired because that 
limbic system in the brain is the center that protects us from danger. Right. And so uh, the the example I like to give, you know, as I have Cookie, my sweet little pup, well, actually our sweet little pup, like it or not now. Um, I love Cookie. No, I know you do. I know you do. And she loves you. Uh, but I used to, anyone that knows me from years ago, I used to literally say all the time, I hate dogs. I would usually throw in the F word. Like I effing hate wow, dogs. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Cause when I was a kid, I was just terrorized by dogs on numerous occasions. I got bit on the leg by a, a German shepherd once. I still have a big hole in my thigh. I'll show it to you sometimes. Uh, and then I got bit on the face by a Rottweiler. Is that that scar? Uh-huh. I've always yeah. wondered what that scar is. Yeah, Rottweiler. Wow, to have a Rottweiler come at your face, that yeah. is very traumatizing. Yeah, you think? Um, <laughs> so I was like, I hate dogs for the longest time. And so what would happen was anytime I would hear a dog growl, a dog bark, walk by a dog, even though consciously I would know that the dog wasn't going to hurt me, that limbic system would fire because those memories from the past are logged in my, I think it's your hippocampus, neuroscientist, let me know if I got this wrong, but I think it's your hippocampus where those memories are stored. Then the amygdala goes to there. Is there anything like this in our past that's similar? Yes. Ding, ding, ding. No, that's when the emoji, that red siren emoji <laughs> yeah, goes yeah, off. And it's like, yeah. And so even though your, your logical brain is going, we're safe, that's a freaking, you know, like a, a um, Pomeranian. It's not <laughs> going to hurt. Like I could punt it across that's the street a right now. Pomeranian. Yeah. It's, and there's no way or, you know, in the situation we were describing where you're triggered about something and I'm going, honey, everything's fine. Like mm. I'm safe. I'm here for you. And you're like, yeah, but, but, but it doesn't matter what the reality is presenting. It's, we don't have control at least until we learn how to control it and, and, and heal those parts of our physical brain and, and psychic sort of body as well. It's that we don't have control over that, except that we can start to understand how it works. Right. And that's for me is so powerful. So then, you know, now if the dog barks or I walk by a big scary dog, I mean, there's, there's actually um, an, a, an appropriate response. So the limbic system still goes, look out, don't go too close, but I don't, my heart doesn't start beating. I don't get that full download mm -hmm. of stress chemicals that get me in fight or flight to the point where I can't get out. Mm -hmm. It's like when you watch an animal in nature, if you're out in the woods and you startle a deer, you know, they get fight or flight, they, they flight, they get the hell out of there. And then you watch them 10 seconds later, they're just eating grass. Like nothing ever happened. Like that's the normal animal response right. for uh, an animal that's not been emotionally harmed right, and, and, and damaged to the point that they have to now go undo it, you know? So we have that capacity to get back to wholeness, but we have to be able to work with one another as as humans and communicate the experiences we're having from outside of that experience. And, but that's when that deep trust comes in because <laughs> yeah. you have to trust someone else that what they're observing. That they're not manipulating right, you. Right. Yeah, or yeah, any yeah. myriad of things. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of trust that comes into play. And that's also where shamanism and various spiritual practices really are key to transcending these pieces to <laughs> no, for real. Why are you no, laughing? I'm, I'm laughing because I remember uh, the one time when you were, I think your most triggered moment, um, yeah. which was just kind of, we could just generalize and say it was around trust, you know, and your most triggered moment. And I was going, honey, no, all that's happening is your amygdala is firing and it's filling your body and brain full of stress chemicals, uh, cortisol and adrenaline. And you're just caught in a limbic system loop. Right. And you're going, uh-huh, uh-huh, looking at me sort of suspiciously and you're going, but 
how do I know you're not manipulating me right now? <laughs> you know, did like, I say that? Something to that effect. I don't you know, remember or, saying or, that. Or saying, you know, like in this situation in the past. Oh, someone might have been just oh right. no honey you're imagining oh, making, all of this the, 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 well the old paradigm situation for me was being made that I'm crazy yeah. that I'm the crazy one that's imagining all the stuff that I never FYI <laughs> I was never imagining it I was actually correct yeah. Um, but yeah so it then it flashes you back yeah. but then I have to trust myself and we talked about this too at the end of the day it's really about just trusting me yeah. and trusting myself trusting that I have walked this path and done this work for an enough years that I have risen to a plane of existence uh, that the partner that I have called in and that I am now experiencing would be someone that does not operate in that old paradigm way that I used to suffer in. And that's the thing that we, one of the things we love so much about our union, (laughs) the look on your face is really funny right now. I don't know why. But one of the things we love so much about our union is that we came together from a, a healed whole place. And again, we're not saying we still don't have work to do and things to explore, but where we're at in climbing the mountaintop of ascension and evolution, we got to a high enough place that we came together from being healed from wholeness, from sovereignty. And because we united from that place and we did not unite in the wound, which we both have lots of experience in in the past, that's why we're one of the reasons why we're able to experience so much joy and laughter and play and silliness and sacredness and all these things because we're not connecting from the pain body place. We're not connecting and uniting from the wound. We came together from wholeness, from sovereignty, individual sovereignty. We both clicked and landed into that. And then from that place, God, universe, our souls, peyote, all these things were then saying like, ding, da, da, ding, 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 now it's time. Now they've ascended to this place, sovereignty, sovereignty, together now. Right? Mic drop. We'll be right back at you after this brief but important announcement. As much as I try to maintain a healthy diet, there's two things that can take me out on a semi-regular basis in terms of taking me off my food plan. One is ice cream, for which I've not really found a healthy alternative. The other one is cookies. And if I slip and eat cookies full of refined sugar, uh, gluten, which means they probably have glyphosate if they're made with flour... Uh, it's it's bad news. I it does not serve me. But sometimes I do slip because I just get the munchies. You know what I'm saying? I'm I'm human, you guys. Which is why I was super stoked that my sponsor Superfat.com launched these keto cookie bites and send me a few bags of them. By the way, you, you folks at Superfat, uh, I'm out of those. I ate those within like five minutes of opening the package. No joke. So if you guys ever hear this plug, uh, you know my address. You know what I'm saying? But uh, they sent me these cookies, man. They got chocolate chips, snickerdoodle, peanut butter chocolate chip. They are freaking delicious and they are no guilt. They've got no grains, no gluten. They're keto certified. They're freaking delicious. Just like their nut butters, Superfat kept their cookies free of any fillers or junk or swag. They've only got three grams of carbs, four grams of protein. Uh, They've only got 150 calories per serving and 290 calories per container. You know, personally, I just eat the container. Uh, Best of all, though, they've got a lot of healthy fats. They're made with almond and coconut flour, grass-fed butter, and grass-fed collagen. I mean, how could you do it any better? The only thing that I can imagine being any better is if the bags were just bigger so I could pound 
a pound of them at once, actually. They're really good. So check them out. Uh, superfat.com is the website. That's superfat.com. Of course, I've got a discount for you of 15% by using the code LUKE. So use the code LUKE at superfat.com and get yourself some keto cookie bites. And now back to the interview. Yeah, I think that's something that's really been interesting to experience is that, <laughs> that, you know, when you talk about these things, you know, I never want to refer to past relationships specifically. I mean, I'm so grateful to anyone just on record, anyone I've ever dated in any way in my entire life. God bless you. I love you so much. All teachers. Yeah. Because I've, it's gotten me to where I am and, and I'm grateful for every experience I've ever had, even the ones that were painful. For sure. Uh, for, yeah. I mean, it's just, because that it wouldn't be possible to be where I am now as an individual or have the capacity for relating that I have now had I not been through so many different experiences. And so like all challenges in my life, um, I'm so grateful for them, even though they were at times difficult. But it's, uh, you know, this tendency that we humans have to feel a pull or an attraction Mm. <laughs> to a dynamic that's unhealthy because right. it's familiar. Correct. You know, uh, my friend Neil Strauss, he he calls this trauma bonding, you know, where you both, you have the same wounds in your past and, um, and they become like a key and a lock and they just fit perfectly together and you meet someone and you have these fireworks. And I think that's that kind of like addictive excitement where you're just like, oh my you, God. You think? Did they text me back yet? It's only been 30 seconds. What's going on? You know, like that craziness that uh, I've experienced ooh, so many times in too. relationships. And, you know, this is after studying really at depth love addiction and codependency and all of these things that are a result of childhood trauma and us having broken bonds with our caregivers and things like that. And our caregivers having broken bonds with one another and, you know, betrayals and abandonment and abuse and all the things so many humans um, have a tendency to experience that we meet someone and that familiarity is so intoxicating, even though our logical mind might say like, don't do it, don't do it. Bad idea, bad idea. We're compelled. I'm speaking from my own experience and I've observed in others, I think compelled to move forward with it, even though, it's the broken parts of you that are fitting together like puzzle pieces right. and, and, and you haven't become in love with yourself in the most positive, humble sense. And I think before we met, I had had experiences in Costa Rica and, and ceremonies that really connected me to my own heart and just, I, I found my center and my my home within myself and that self-love and that deep self-acceptance to where even though I had the desire to be in a relationship and I, I want to have that that union and that intimacy and, and the you know the sharing of love and all the things that a great healthy relationship has, I, I think I really did had to, had to get to a point where I was totally capable of giving that to myself. Yes, you know and I couldn't let another truly in the depths of my heart until I let myself in my heart. Another mic drop. Yeah. And that's the place that I was getting to and my own self too. And and one of the questions that I wrote down because I was your makeshift printer for the questions today, I saw one of the questions- Which I've totally ignored. <laughs> yeah, I know we're going off the rails here. But one of the questions in there was, how did I learn how to be in a healthy relationship when all those years I was just on my own? Right. Um, because for those who don't know, go to, you know, my backstory, go to episode 111. I think I share some of this there, but my 
Divine Intervention Spiritual Awakening came from a very trying past relationship. That was the instrument that catalyzed that moment for me where my entire life changed. And from that point, I was really for many, many years um, consciously single and for many years celibate. And uh, so, yeah, I just thought it was curious that you posed that, you know, how, how by yourself, how did you learn to, to land to a place in a healthy relationship now when I was navigating those waters after my awakening day just on my own? And it's really what you just said. It was me just growing every day and my ability to so fully and truly have self-love, self-respect, self-honor, um, self-sacredness, all of those pieces uh, that I got to a place. Now, this is after basically for five whole years being completely celibate. At this point- That's a that's a crime against humanity. <laughs> I don't disagree. Um, but I will say that somehow I think I got gridded with spiritual microchips that just knew it was going to be a part of my path and I somehow was able to do it and it wasn't somehow that crazy, crazily agonizing. But um, I mean, at times it was, but not overall. So it was, it was me just learning to love myself so deeply that I actually got to a place. Now, I, I really wanted my king and I really wanted this sacred partnership. And, and there's still a part of me that, that thinks I, if it's in the cards and, and meant to be, I, I want to also experience being a mother and, and all of those things. So it's like, I wanted to call in my sacred partnership and I believed it was true because I'm so devoted to this path. I was like, I'm going to have to meet someone who's on my consciousness level. And I go all the way in deep and hard like every day with this. So it's got to be someone who also devotes their life to this. While I believed it was possible and that there was a man out there that could hold the proper space for me that I wanted, I also just got to a place where I had another surrender moment specifically around this piece. And I just thought, you know what? I'm so at home within my own body. I'm so at home within my own being. And I truly unconditionally love myself so much. If it's my path that it's just meant to be that I'm just riding solo for the rest of my life. And if I'm supposed to be celibate, like, wow, I wouldn't have guessed this for myself, but okay. You know, and it was the irony is that so many times when we have these surrender moments, it's like we try to manifest and call these things in and manifest and call these things in and do all of this like, you know, magnetizing and all these things. And, and then it's like you surrender and then all of a sudden, boop, it's there, <laughs> you know, and that's happened time yeah. and time and time again for me. And that's what happened in this situation. The last little nugget I will say is it's just because I, I was celibate and, and really wasn't dating. Don't think that I wasn't tested or challenged because- when I made the decision that I wanted to be in partnership again, I felt like I was ready to call in the the one, the final relationship for me this lifetime. I, I was like, okay, I've got to do something different. I don't leave my house much, so I need to get on these dating apps. So I had to do a healing session around dating apps because when I was a TV host, I, I was the one who would get, go on the dating app segments and I was the host that would say, this is like you know, it's just, it's online shopping for humans. And I was very against it. So I did a healing session to transcend that belief. And only after that, then I uploaded a couple of apps. 
And in the couple of dating experiences I had, I got presented right away with tests and challenges of that thing you just described of the meeting of, of when the wounds trauma bonding trauma bonding and there was one in particular that like oh my god it was so it was so clear what was going on but it was paint it was painted in such a glorious picture i mean pet houses were involved and just you know like these external things that were very very enticing and very sparkling but the deeper part of my soul knew i was like this is that thing again allison you have to hold the line and i got taken into a weekend of really deep work i had to phone a friend on this one i had to phone my oldest best friend, Nikki from back in Indiana, because she knows the whole journey for me. And I was like, this is what I'm experiencing. And, and she was just like, Allison, this is the addiction piece. This is, that's who this is. This is that representation for you. You have to keep holding the line and walking through the portal. And by me staying strong and fighting that addiction urge and um, that trauma bonding urge and holding the line, it was literally, I was watching myself this weekend, that weekend walking through an energetic portal. And by me staying strong and staying so heightened, consciously aware and not texting back and not engaging and not reverting back into that old portal. Portal, I popped out into a new one and it was not long after that you and I all of a sudden started to have these different conversations, which I feel like we should really talk about. <laughs> let's go talking about ourselves and let's talk about how we got together as a couple. That's what yeah. they're really here for anyways. They just want to know, well, how did we fall in love? How did, when did this happen? Well, it, you know, it's, it's as funny as we're sitting here talking. Uh, it's like, it, 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 it reeks of like, honeymoon phase, you know, cause we're like, mm. we, it's sort of like, Oh, we have this all figured out. We're good. And I just want to say like, we're not, you know, like <laughs> there's, there's, there's always going to be a certain type of effort or work in a relationship. Yeah. And I think that where I was misguided often when you hear people say, which they say a lot, Oh, relationships are work, man. You got to work on it. I thought that you just always are going to have conflict you always end up in therapy. You always have drama. You're always going to be fighting. And then... That you, kind of work. Yeah. You're with a person to like bring out the worst parts of yourself, bring them to the surface so then you can work on them. And I've experienced that. And um, I think I am just celebrating that our work is more in how can we make a relationship a meditation? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, can the work be how unconditionally can we love? Can mm -hmm. the work be how much personal responsibility can we take for our own shit, yes. our own feelings, the way that our mind is perceiving a situation? Yes. Can we ask ourselves, is what I'm experiencing and projecting on this person true or not? And be brutally honest with ourselves as to what the answer to that question is. Yeah. You know, so it's, I acknowledge that it's a work, but it's a different type of work. And it's a work that I haven't done before. It's work of, you know, can I stay off my phone and just look you in the eyes and be willing to just sit there with you? You know what I mean? Or it's me. It's the work where I get really funny and like, you know, I like to get, you know, sometimes like a little pouty and I'm like, no, but I, you know, I don't want to do this or whatever. And then, and then I love when you remind me, you, you say that thing of, it's about how quick can we get back to love. And sometimes I just like to be in that other little pod where I'm like, no, you know, pet me and coddle me. I'm over here sulking. And, and then you're like, uh, but you don't let me stay in that 
really kind of pointless or very long. And I, and I love that because it is true. It's, you know, it's, I just don't want to wallow in that other space when I'm with you. You're just like, no, like it's time to get back to right here, right back to love. You don't ever let me go over there and stay over there very long. You let me just do whatever for a little bit. And you're like, all right, enough. Get over here. (laughs) It's so funny. I've learned so much doing this podcast and having conversations with people. And I've, I've interviewed a a couple couples, um, one of them, Aubrey Marcus and, uh, and his former partner, uh, Whitney. And, uh, they ended up breaking up, but that, that interview was about like their open relationship and their very non-traditional way of relating. And, um, that wasn't a model that I was interested in pursuing. Yeah, that one just gave me full body like, no, thank you. It wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't a model I was interested in pursuing personally, but it was an interesting conversation. Right. But but I did admire their uh, willingness and ability to really walk through some super painful stuff together Mm -hmm. around that, Mm -hmm. what that brought up. And I was like, good for you. That ain't my path. Like, I don't want to suffer that much. But uh, I interviewed another couple, um, Nick Broadhurst and Melissa Ambrosini. And it was kind of around the conversation was around their relationship and they were talking about conflict resolution. And, uh, they said that they had a kind of a motto in their relationship that, uh, something like this, it was, um, no good ever comes from closing your heart Mm. or even just closing. No good ever comes from closing. Mm. And, and all of us have that protective mechanism of like threatened, hurt, pissed. I'm going to shut down, punish you, just stay in my own shit and sulk. Yeah. It's like literally nothing good ever comes from closing. (laughs) It's so true and it's so simple. So my personal practice and what you're describing is even if I think, oh my God, she is being so ridiculous right now. What a bitch. Like, are you serious? (laughs) Like you're blaming me for this? That all the thoughts that go in my head or yesterday when, when you were having that, it was like, None of your business. This is my shit. Stay out what, of my... What are you talking about? Was yesterday? You what? were giving me unsolicited career advice because you were triggered by the way I was handling a situation what around an it? email. See, it was so insignificant. It I went away. An email? Doesn't matter. Oh, that. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, and that was so, funny. Yeah. I'm trying to change the world here. That was what was coming up. I was like, you can't play a role in this. You've got to change the world with me. Yeah. Okay, got it. It was around... <laughs> It was around people in our industry being fairly compensated and the type of deals that we engage in and the the global effect on them when we sell ourselves short. I was like, don't perpetuate the old cycle. You've got to say no. You've got to stand up and you've got to go the new way with me. Right. Yeah. I was very strong in that. I, I had thoughts arise that were like, I didn't ask your opinion. And like that could have turned into a fight. But I have that mantra, no good ever comes, which would be closing my heart, which would be not allowing you to have your experience and acknowledging that there was some, something in there that you found a trigger in that was worth exploring yeah, or just holding space and just being compassionate for you having that experience and opening my mind to the fact, um, or to the idea, maybe she's right. Maybe there's something here for me to see that I'm not seeing Mm -hmm. rather than being defensive. Right. But whatever was going on, closing and meeting that with resistance and not holding space for that would be so dumb and unproductive. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what a great and simple lesson that is, is to just remain open-hearted. And um, even if you don't agree, there's always a way to work it out without closing. In other words, you can still express a negative emotion. You can still disagree, but you can do so without closing your heart. Yeah, You can practice unconditional love, which means like, I love you. Even if I think you're being completely out of line and ridiculous, I love you more now than ever. 
in your ridiculousness. You know? I had some really good points though. <laughs> so did. let's not you did. play like well, I that's, was. Well, that's where the open-minded consideration of, okay, she's, she's coming to the table with this idea and this response from an emotional triggered point of view, but let's not let that discount the truth that might be behind it. Yeah. And, I, and I think you, there was a lot of validity to what you were bringing up regardless of whether or not I asked you for your opinion or, you know, whether or not you were overreacting or wouldn't let the damn thing go when I already said, okay, I, I get it. You know, right, I'll, right, right, I'll look right. at it or, you know, trying to make you see my side and you didn't understand and all this shit, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's in that just to say that um, it's, it's so fun to really work with you on the things that come up in the relationship and that the work is, it's a great kind of work because it allows me to expand more into love and into truth and to get through the falsehoods much more quickly because mm-hmm. we're both willing to do that. Correct. Uh, so back to your, your point of our, our somewhat strange and unconventional journey <laughs> to becoming a couple. From brother to boyfriend. Yeah, from brother to boyfriend, your next book. And we're going to talk about your, your, your book project and other things too because I talk about those things to all my guests. but. Uh, I remember when, as I said, when I met you, I mean, you're a gorgeous woman. Obviously, I acknowledge that. Wow, that's a really pretty woman to have on the podcast. And there was all that. But professionalism, where I was in life, you lived in New York, all that. And so we, we had a great time during that conversation and remained friends and would run into each other at events and even, I think, text here and there every once in a while and things like that. And, uh, you know, still keeping everything on the up and up. And uh, for me, I... I, I didn't like the idea of uh, dating someone that lived in New York City when I lived in LA. I tried that and I found it to be really challenging, you know, just proximity. It's difficult. So even at points in which I was single and saw you as a possible viable date or potential partner, et cetera, there was no point in engaging with you on that level because like, why? It's not going to go anywhere. She lives in New York. So like, why even entertain that and perhaps ruin a friendship and just like date when she comes out here? It was just dumb. Uh, But there was one point at which I was single and uh, I don't know that I was that ready to start dating again, but you were here and the opportunity arose. So we went to coffee and I'm sitting across from you. Well, not let's be clear. I don't drink coffee. I was having tea. I've been off coffee for about four years. But anyway, unfortunately, go ahead. yes, it's one thing we can't share a love of. Uh, you have your matcha here. Your, that is correct. Yeah, your little dirty matcha cups everywhere. <laughs> uh, I, the matcha it looks cups, like swamp water. It in does here. swamp water with lipstick all over it. Yeah, that's uh, my style. But I, you know, in the interest of being honest and transparent, which is just a growth practice for me, it's just something I like to be more honest and forthright uh, without any agenda whatsoever. We were sitting there and I just thought, hmm, I'm getting more information here that's uh, indicating to me that there might be the possibility of dating this woman because you had said to me in the course of that conversation or in texting or whenever it was, I'm sure you remember the details better than I, I do. do. But, but it was communicated to me that you were in the process of moving to LA. Correct. And I was like, oh, whoa, that changes everything because that was kind of a non-negotiable for me. And uh so when we were at tea slash coffee, 
uh, what, what did I say to you? Cause you'll remember and I won't, I, I'll remember the sentiment that was like, Hey, I'm just gonna be straight up. This is what's on my mind. And I expressed what was on my mind. Well, yeah, I had texted you, uh, to let you know I was going to be, cause I've been by coastal for a while and I would usually give you a heads up just to say hi or whatever. And, um, so I said, yeah, I'd be, I was coming into town and you asked me in that text, you said, what are you coming into town for? And I said, actually, just just life. I'm officially moving to LA. I made that clear decision. And so this is the first trip ever where I'm not taking, I'm not filming my show. I'm not taking any work meetings. None of that is happening. I'm just coming there to activate my life. And so I think that was probably maybe unconsciously or consciously when some layers started to open up in you. Uh, and then, yeah, in this conversation at this hotel where I was just working from one day when you came to meet me for this tea slash coffee, after the first portion of the conversation, which was a totally different tone and subject matter, you then went from sitting next to me on the booth side to pivoting to the other side of the table into a standalone chair. And I'm holding Cookie on her leash, your dog, and um, and I'm, I remember thinking like, what's happening right now? Why is he getting up and moving to the other side of the table? Why are we re- repositioning here? What's occurring? I remember being very conscious of this movement and you really like, you know, took a second to kind of get yourself set again and, you know, just, uh, yeah, get reset within your being. And I could set, feel and see different uh, vulnerability energy starting to open up from behind your eyes and different emotions starting to get evoked. And then that's when you said something to me to the effect of, um, <laughs> well, you know, I've, I've always been interested in you, right? You said something like that. Um, and then I, I, at this point, <laughs> was totally shocked and was silent. And then you... I can kind of see your face. You turned your head to the side a little bit and you were like, did you know that? And then that's when I said to you, no, I had no idea. And And I was feeling so many things at this point because I'm looking at you and you're just such a beautiful human and such a beautiful man. And you had such honesty glistening in your eyes and your soul was really exuding through. So I'm really seeing this like vulnerability and I'm really in tune with that and wanting to honor that. Yet at the same time in my being, I'm just like, what the fuck is going on right now? What did, did he just say what I think he said? And so like, I'm experiencing all these different energetics and emotions simultaneously. And um, yeah, I, I, I don't even remember. Now this is where I completely blank. I don't remember what happened after that. I I know that we talked for a little bit more before you needed to go and I walked you outside um, for you to get your car, but I don't remember how we wrapped the conversation. I think we just kind of left it at like, because I didn't say back to you, oh, I've always been interested. I did not say anything back like that. I do recall that. I think I was more just shell-shocked and trying to process so I didn't really give you anything to work with. I didn't, I didn't say back like, oh, I've been feeling the same way or anything. Um, I, yeah, I was still processing. Do you recall anything else that was said? Well, I, I know that my intention was just to express my truth and I didn't want to be inauthentic. And 
I just wanted to let it known. In other words, like I wasn't attached to the outcome of it. It was right. just something, a performance that I had to give in order to feel free of that. And even if you had been like, oh, I'm dating someone now, or like, I just want to be friends. It, it wasn't even about that. It wasn't about the result. It was just about like, hey, I just want this to be known. Like, okay, like now she knows I'm kind of crushing on her and we can move on with life and not be awkward. Uh, but I, I think that it was kind of like, well, let's, you know, let's go grab a bite sometime or something. I think there was like, well, let's do something at some point. Okay. Date-ish. Okay. I think. Uh, <laughs> I have no idea. And then, I mean, the funny thing about this, I think, and, you know, we can probably tell it in a, in a shorter version, um, leaving out some of the minutia, but I think what's really interesting about it is from that moment, things just started to move on their own. Yes. And I had this framework or structure of how I think this is supposed to go when you want to enter into a successful, healthy, long-term relationship, which is really taking your time to get to know someone, which is something that I didn't do in my younger years and um, often ended up in relationships that were misaligned because they weren't very well thought out and weren't en entered into with much um, consciousness or mm -hmm. awareness and no plan, just like feels good, run, <laughs> you know, zero to a hundred kind of thing. And so uh, having had some of those experiences and seeing hmm, that pattern doesn't really work out for anyone. So I'm, you know, going to take everything slow and just go 1950s old school, like find a nice gal and quarter for a while, mm -hmm. take her on some nice dates, open the car door, take it slow, no sex, you know, just like, Really get to know someone as a Duke friend. Duke was starting to come out there a little yeah, bit. Yeah, old Duke's talking about how you do relationships. You weren't whistling but, your uh, S's anyways. I'll get to it. I really but, like when he turns into Duke. <laughs> it's one of my favorites. I'm Mary Sue, if y'all don't know that yet. But I really, you know, I think with us, there was one thing at play is that we had, you know, a relationship of sorts beforehand. We were friendly and we were friends, although we didn't you know, hang out all the time. We had some rapport and we knew a bit about one another. So it wasn't like we just met that day and oh, then no. next thing you know, we're moving in together. But I had this idea of going really slow. And then um, also though, I was really interested in you because you're just a stellar person and all of the reasons that I keep explaining. And um, so I invited you you were going to be here for New Year's Eve. So I invited you to my annual Kundalini yoga party with right. my teacher, Tage, and all my friends, which... I felt was a pretty, it was kind of a big ask, you know, it's, it's it also your, your birthday. Uh, and you know, when you're kind of, you've not really even been on an official date with someone asking them to like give up their new year's Eve and their birthday and come hang out with you and your friends, um, was kind of a big ask. And when you, you took a couple of days and then said, yeah, I'm going to do it. I was like, Oh shit. Okay. That's, that's shit's getting on and popping now. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, and then I, you know, I was just had such a lovely time with you and I remember being there with you and I was like, are you okay? And you're like, dude, I love Kundalini yoga. I've been doing this for years. And I was like, what? Oh, mm -hmm. awesome. That's such a great thing to be able to share with a partner. Cause mm -hmm. it's been such a instrumental part of my awakening and something I really enjoy. Just, it's just feels so amazing to do that. And then, uh, and then I remember giving you a quick kiss, you know, which was, your our first kiss of the new year it and will ever that was from that was the <laughs> official pivot from from brother to to something else yeah. not to boyfriend yet but yeah. I, I i was wondering if you if that was going to happen because i mean you know the ball drops all those like you know cliche quintessential things about new year's eve and and uh yeah i and i could feel something new conjuring i was not i just want to be completely honest when he expressed 
interest. When you expressed that you were interested in me, this was not something that I just like jumped into. I had reservations because um, I think I felt closer to you throughout the years maybe than you did me. Like I had you on my show and you moderated a panel I was on and we did keep in touch and have some conversations. And so I've really valued you as a friend and someone that I loved. And so I got nervous. What if we explore these waters and one of us ends up liking the other way more than the other? Or what if we both really like each other, but like our kissing and our sex is horrible? I had all these fears coming up that made me very cautious to enter fully into this new river, this new current that had become opened via your transparency and vulnerability at the hotel that day by expressing your interest. So there have been really cool moments along the way where you were the expander for us, where you opened up this new field of possibility. And then I give myself credit for then like, also you open up this shamanic field and I'm like, oh, Oh, sniff around in there, look around in there. I'm like, that actually looks and smells pretty good. Okay. And then I step into that field and then we go over here and you're like, how about New Year's Eve? I know it's the start of a new decade and the start of a new year and it's your birthday the next day, but you want to spend that night with me? And I took about five days of sniffing into that one. I was like, oh, this is a big deal. This is a big decision. You know, because you know, with me with energetics, I'm like, it's really important. Who am I sharing space with, especially to start a new decade and to start my birthday with? I'm like, who, who do I want to share that space with? energetically. So after about five days of sniffing into that field that you opened up, I was like, yeah, that field's actually smelling pretty good. What's going on here? I'm going to step into this field. And it was, yeah, I remembered wondering because we had not been physical at all. We had got, we had had a couple of what I would consider dates of like me hanging out over here and then like hanging out with Rosie and, and Tori and um, looking back, realizing that was actually our first double date, but we didn't know it at the time. And we had spent some time together in this new current, but we had not even touched each other, really. I could just feel like very, very gradually an attraction growing because I'd had that completely shut off from you in years past. I only looked at you as my friend. So even though you're really attractive, I wasn't seeing you through that lens. So in this new current, me starting to expand into this other things that were possible was really pretty slow moving in the beginning. Um, and so I remembered wondering, I wonder if he's going to kiss me when the ball drops, but then you like vanished. This is a hilarious <laughs> part of this story. So it's about to be my birthday. I haven't even told you this yet. This is some real juice for the listeners. I, you don't even know this part yet. This is so exciting. So it's about to be my birthday, right? When the ball drops and it turns midnight, this whole, the world begins to celebrate for me and my birthday, right? And a couple minutes before it turns midnight, Luke disappears, everyone. That's because when they're dancing. <laughs> no. So, well, so the balloons drop. We've been doing kundalini stuff. There's wizards everywhere. All this amazing stuff's going on. Two minutes before, no sign of Luke. And I'm like, this is this funny story that my head started conjuring. I've yet to tell you this. Because in my mind, I'm like, what's going on? Why is he not going to be here for this moment at midnight? This is so weird to me. What could he be doing? So in my mind, I'm like, well, first of all, I'm like, surely he'll come back. That was the first one. But then I realized that wasn't happening because the balloons were dropping. And then the next story that I conjured, I'm like, oh my gosh, 
it's my birthday. I bet he's out there getting a cake ready. <laughs> I told myself that you were you, probably back there like putting candles in a cake and that when it turned midnight, you were going to come in and like give me a birthday cake. And I, I was conjuring really rapidly all these hilarious narratives, none of which proved to be true. And so then finally at like five or 10 after midnight, you come just sauntering back in like, you know, nonchalant. And I'm like, what the heck? This is such an odd mystery. Um, you know, clear, thank God you took, I remember feeling I was grateful that you took the pressure off that having to kiss at that moment though. Cause I didn't really think I wanted it to happen that way of like feeling forced because it's midnight and because it suddenly turned a new year that we're supposed to kiss now. So then we did. So I remembered being happy that you released the pressure valve on that moment but then, you know, 10 minutes later, when you did walk back in, you, you did, I was standing and you did walk over to me. And I remember you put your, both your hands on my arms and, and you said, let me give you your first kiss of the, of the decade. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then it was just like literally like a half second peck. But that was a big moment because we had never done anything like that. It would have been so weird to just try to make out with you right then. <laughs> in front of everybody, yeah. Like bridging the friend zone is, I mean, I'm, it's probably happened before. I can't think of a time. I've never but, done it. But it's, yeah, um, it's interesting. Really but now weird. I remember what I did. Yeah, uh, where were you? I still I was, don't know the answer to this. I was not this. preparing your cake, which would have been a great move. <laughs> right. Uh, when they do the ball drop at the Santa Monica Women's Center thing, yeah. which I've been to a few years now, uh, it's amazing because you can go up on the, the the balcony. Okay. And it's a great place to live stream. You, like, oh <laughs> my God, you guys. He went up yeah. to get on Instagram. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Case in point, I guess, why? Oh, this is Jelly Bean. I want everyone to meet my cat. I know you can't see him when you're listening on the podcast, but Duke for Jellington this, right here. This is Jelly. He's birthday's coming up. He's going to be 13, and he's been my little mini Black Panther, my little spirit animal for many years. He's seen me pre awakening and post awakening. He's seen mommy through everything. So thank you for coming and saying hi. Luke calls him. Uh, uh, grumple stilt skin because he's very vocal and he can be a bit of a grumpy cat, which I find hilarious. Um, but even then when I picked him up, he's like, Rawr! and so grumple stilt skin is one of his nicknames. He's a grumpy old man. He's so great though. Yeah. He's very smart. He, um, and, he and cooks are buds. They're like Tom and Jerry. Yeah. It's really cute. So this is hilarious. This makes the story even funnier that I thought you were preparing a cake for me and you were live stream on Instagram. Yeah, I'm just like, whatever. She can be down there. I got to go live stream. I've got to go live stream. Uh, my audience needs me. <laughs> um, it's a great shot, man. You can't miss the shot. Uh, no, you really can. But so with the other interesting pivotal thing that happened at this New Year's Eve event, which I feel is important to bring up, is in between all of these kundalini activations that we were doing, during one of the breaks, you pivoted and sat in front of me and you said, you know, I'm going to do your medicine soon. Because when I come over here to hang out, we were just catching up. And I was sharing with you some of the really, really life-changing experiences I had had working with a sacred plant medicine. And you knew the one that just speaks to my soul the deepest at this juncture in my life. 
And so that night at New Year's Eve, he said, I'm, I'm going to do your medicine soon. And then in my mind, my first question is, well, who is who are you going to sit with? Because that's of utmost importance. Like, who is facilitating? And you said, you know, it's the funniest thing. I ran into my friend Sanjay and you started to continue with the sentence. But right when you said Sanjay's name, I was like, what? You're, and I said, you're sitting with my teachers. You're sitting, you're sitting with my shamanic soul family because Sanjay is in my shamanic soul family and we have been together in these experiences. And so the second you said his name, I just knew um, something really otherworldly was starting to conjure because the fact that you were getting looped in to my shamanic family and starting to get pulled into these kinds of practices without me orchestrating it, the fact that the medicine was and God was and just this bigger picture now was at orchestration. And that is that current that you were referring to earlier of how once this new pathway was opened, this other energy system has been working us. We've not been doing the orchestration. Damn straight. Because like like I was beginning to allude to, I had a very specific linear plan, like a very male way of doing things, which is like, okay, I've done these plans. Those blueprints did not get the desired result of the finished building I wanted to build. And so this time I have this blueprint and I'm going to follow this in a very logical, linear way. It's called like how to build a healthy relationship 101. Like we're going to follow the plan. Mm -hmm. And um, that plan didn't include um, going off to the desert and doing peyote and becoming a couple in one weekend. Um, Ah, I wish I had my rattle. It's right out there. I had it in here. I would be rattled. Yeah. And the interesting thing about that, just the synchronicity and how the universe works in such mysterious ways is that... I don't even know Sanjay that well. We've met a few times. I'm a huge fan of one of his musical projects called Feather and Dot. I use their music in my workshops and it's amazing Kundalini mantra music, very modern and awesome. Uh, unlike some of the cornier Kundalini mantra music, no offense, but some of it is pretty janky. Uh, but I, you know, <laughs> he doesn't, he lives in LA, but he, he lives elsewhere also and stuff right. like that. But one day I ran into him. I just gotten back from Costa Rica um, to go to Soltara, which I've done podcast about before. And I ran into him at Tage at Nine Treasures Yoga. And I said, oh, I just got back from Costa Rica. I was doing some medicine work down there. It was amazing. Huge transformations, awakenings, healings, et cetera. And he's like, oh, no way. Have you ever done peyote? And I said, no. He said, well, it's my birthday next weekend or whenever it was. And you know, these my, my teachers are going to be on their kind of tour. And uh, if you want to come sit, you know, come along. And that was you know, what I explained to you. And of course it was Oscar and Vivian who, by the way, those listening, there will be an episode that I already recorded with said guides, mm. Oscar and Vivian, amazing couple that really mm-hmm. were at the, at the forefront of this relationship developing for sure as, a, as energy workers, medicine keepers, and as models for a really beautiful, sacred aligned relationship. 100%. Um, so so I texted you because I wanted to hold energetic space for you. And so it pinged in. I, yeah, I'm back in Brooklyn at this point. And I just texted you and said, hey, can you remind me what weekend is the ceremony? And truly from, because you know, I'm honest about everything. I was genuinely just wanting to know so that while you were in that zone, I could just hold space for you. Because I knew it was your first time going into that particular kind of ceremony with that medicine, even though you've traversed many others. So... When you saw that text, you sent the date and then the next, I think it was like an hour or two later, 
you came in with this other expander question, another expander pivotal point taking me into a new field. You said a few simple words. Why do you want to come? <laughs> <laughs> and I had not even, because I had just gotten back to New York. So I was not thinking at all about, even though I love Oscar and Vivian to the utmost, I just, I wasn't going to fly right back. But when you asked me that, I thought, you know, why not? Yeah, I do want to go. I love Oscar and Vivian. Their tour is wrapping up soon. I love Sanjay. It's his birthday. I want to keep exploring all of this incredible alchemy that's so clearly happening with you and I. I'm manifesting my move to LA anyways. Like there's literally, I got up a sheet of paper out. I wrote the pros and cons. For real? Yeah, I made a list and there was just literally no reason for me to stay in Brooklyn. And there were all the reasons for me to get another plane ticket right then and fly right back the next day. And that's what I did. And I just love that our first trip that we ever took together was loading up the car with all of the tools you need for a ceremony, you know, the ponchos and just because we knew we were going to be in a desert and we needed to really be prepared because it was going to be cold. We would be in a teepee and um, just loading up the car together. And our first trip ever together was going out to sacred lands and a desert to sit together and sacred ceremony with my shamanic family and my teachers. I, I, you cannot make this stuff up and you could not have written a better script for the love story that is, you know, what, in my opinion, on my side over here, it could not have been scripted better because I'd been praying for that for years. It had always been my ultimate vision to sit with my sacred divine partner, to sit next to my king in a sacred ceremony, doing that kind of evolutionary work, that kind of sacred work together, to me, that is the the highest vision. So to be having that manifesting so quickly, um, it just was really mind-blowing and beyond special to me. And that was one of those situations where I really had to follow my intuition and not my logic. Because logically sharing that experience with someone that you've, I think we'd been on one official date at that point. I took you to dinner at Pache before that, I think, right? I, I don't even remember if it was before. I remember, I remember like we had hung out, but they weren't really dates. Like I, I'm like, I really want to take you on a date and right. treat you like a lady and like do the thing. I, we're, like we're dating now, you know? Right. I mean, not exclusively because at that point I thought, well, we're probably still going to date other people and see how things come together. And eventually you'll move out here and then we'll see how it goes. And I had this kind of plan together, you know, I was hoping it would work out, but uh, it was, it was kind of a move for me where we were at that point to share that kind of depth of an experience with someone who we're just kind of testing the waters. We're not a couple per se, right? Yeah, no, we did not go into the desert as a couple. We yeah. left the desert as a couple, <laughs> yeah. but we did not head into the but sacred grounds that, that was way. where my head was like, is this a good idea, Luke? Should you be doing it this way? Does this really make sense? And I had to just be like, shut up, brain. Like this feels right. The 51% of me is leaning like this would be cool. Like if there's 
a way to get to know someone, this is a pretty good way to do oh, it. Oh, it doesn't get any more vulnerable than that. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, so ensued a, you know, a two day, uh, two night ceremony. Uh, my first time ever sitting with that medicine. And, uh, you know, that's a whole other podcast. As I said, coming out, it's a medicine that pff, I've been drawn to uh, six times total now at this point at the time of this recording. And every time I'm like, why am I doing this? I don't like this stuff. And you say you'll never do it again. Yeah. And then, you know, I get awakenings and realizations and, you know, the biggest one being the realization of, wow, we're a thing, uh, which is, it's almost hard to explain and tell the story because it's so, it just enters into the mystical realms and it's a non-linear thing. But essentially, I think for me, it was um, you having had experience with those teachers, that tribe, uh, and in that experience, it had a certain depth and sacredness to you that it didn't have to me yet. Correct. To me, it's like, wow, this is an interesting date to have with someone for a couple of days. It's a little, it's kind of a fast move forward for me because where are we going to sleep? Do we sleep in the same bed? We weren't intimate in any way really at that point. Um, and even for some time afterward. Right. Uh, and so it's, you know, like I'm trying to do the right thing here, God damn it. And go slow and like be healthy and like chill and like really but, take my but time. But the one and, thing that took a little pressure off that piece is I work with all of facets of my shamanic work and path with the utmost sacredness and integrity. And you need to be celibate leading up to ceremony and in the days after. And so I had expressed that to you before I even got the plane ticket. I just I just wanted to get that out of the way, even though we had not been intimate yet. I just wanted to remind you, like, look, even though I'm flying back out there, I work with medicine and with shamanism in this way. I know you know that, but I'm just going to reiterate you are to be celibate before and after. And that is that will 100% be how I roll. So yeah. that took some of that. Yeah. And then I was like, well, is your plane ticket refundable? <laughs> right. <laughs> you got an, a lols on that one. So, it really did um, make me laugh. That was a good one. Honey. So we're, you know, we're, I mean, it's the story of the ceremony itself is just so otherworldly, but there are, A, Oscar and Vivian are leading it. They have this beautiful high level spiritual relationship and a, a deep love that's just palpable. I mean, you get around them and you just go, oh my God, my experience is like, whatever they're doing, I want that. Yeah. Like, that's the type of relationship I want. Just so reverent and deep and fun. And mm-hmm. just the way that they interweave their work together and the way their energies balance one another. So it's just, it's just really, really amazing to be in, in, in that space with them. Uh, add to that the, you know, the, mystical peyote button, these freaking cactuses that you eat that taste like... Be nice. That taste beautiful. Be reverent. And taste holy and sandy. (laughs) Um, It's very sandy. Bitter and chewy. But, uh, you know, in in the medicine, from my point of view, this is what happened. Like, every time I do that medicine, I'm like looking at my watch, like, "Is is this working? Is anything happening here? Nope. I don't think so. Just feel kind of annoyed, tired. My back hurts, feel pretty nauseous and like, wow. Okay. Really? And then I surrender into that resistance and surrender into the resistance and <laughs> surrender into the resistance. And yeah. Hours and, and hours. Uh, but anyway, during this two, two day, two night ceremony, there were a number of different micro ceremonies within the macro ceremony uh, where couples had the opportunity to share in those ceremonies together, a flower blessing, different moments at which you're kind of paired off. To me, we're there and we're together, not together, together, but we're there 
male and female potential couple dating ish on a date of sorts. And there's these, (laughs) these experience that we went through that I just kind of, you know, I'm under the medicine. I don't really know what's going on. I've never done it before. It's all, I'm all just kind of figuring this out and taking it as it comes. And so we participated in some of these things and um, in those micro ceremonies, which I kind of agreed us into and led us into, those had much deeper meaning for you than they did for me. And they were indicators to you that, holy shit, this guy's really stepping up and like, he's taking us into the realm of- taking the lead into that, yeah. Into coupleship. And I'm like thinking, we're going to keep dating for a while. She's going back to New York. Like this is just- And you're just tired in the teepee and you're just like, oh, it's our turn. Yeah. And so- uh, Anyway, so we, we we go through that and then... I'm, I'm laying in the bed and you're in the shower and I'm like, oh my gosh, please, when he gets back into this bedroom, please don't let him say to me, I am so exhausted. I've got to go to bed right away because I knew I needed to talk to you. And I had been clearly shown... The medicine had so clearly shown me when we got back to our Airbnb. So you sit in ceremony, for those that don't know, uh, from like nine or 10 at night um, and then you are up and sitting upright. Well, it depends on who's facilitating and and all that, but we sit up and sit upright all night. And then when the sunrise happens, you go out and connect, but then there's a sharing circle that can sometimes last for hours in the TP. And then there's like communal food. So we didn't get back to our Airbnb until like very late in the afternoon, the next day. And the medicine had spoken to me when I had private time back at our Airbnb, it had so clearly shown me three specific points that I needed to bring up with you. And they were on the crunchier side, as I like to call it. And I thought, oh my gosh, how is this is, I could feel this was going to kind of be a game changing moment for us because this was going to be some challenging stuff to bring up to you. And I remembered being scared that when you got out of the shower, you're going to be too tired to talk. And I knew I needed to get this out of my system. So thank God when you got back into the bed, you go, huh, you said you didn't share in the sharing, in the sharing circle. Why? How was your night? And, and I- everyone shares in the, I mean, I don't think in, every once in a while someone will pass because they're just, you know, in a different space. But yeah, I was like, oh, that was weird. Why was your share omitted? <laughs> right. And I was like, funny, you should ask. I've got some things I need to talk to you about, not share in the sharing circle. Sharing circle. Um, so, so yeah, I I then said to you, I think that there were a few things that I, I needed to bring up that I had been in observance of during the ceremony that just felt really vital to ask you about. And there were things that had I not been uh, in a heightened conscious state or had I not been a very consciously aware, awake person, some of these things in the past would have probably slipped under the radar. Like pre-awakening, I probably would have blinded myself to these signs because I wouldn't have wanted to face these difficult conversations or to possibly hear the answer that would come from these conversations. And yet that's not who I am anymore. And I knew I needed to go there. And there was, I won't get into the full minutia, but there the one that just keeps pinging in for me to share is during the water blessing, how, you know, Vivian was aware, Vivian and Oscar, again, is a facilitator couple, and she was aware that we came, you know, together 
And she was seeing things about us that I think we weren't even seeing at this point, um, just the power of us together. So when she got to, you were sitting to my left, she did the water blessing for you first. When she got to me, she did the water blessing and she was about to move on. She started to move to the person sitting to my right, but then something stopped her and she paused. And, you, and she said to us, so are you two a couple? And at that moment, I then looked to you to together discern what our response would be. And as I looked to you, you remained with your eyes shut. And that was beyond just like symbolic, you know, that just, that was saying, that was saying a lot to me that when this question of, are we a couple was being posed to us by the shamanic facilitator, the leader of the ceremonies asking us, you kept your eyes closed to the topic, to the subject matter. And I thought, I can't ignore that. He's closing himself off to this question. He's closing himself off to this possibility and, and sleeping, sleeping this question. So I had, that was one of the three peyote bullet points that I was advised to bring up with you. And I have to give you so much credit. I give us both credit for just doing any of this, but then that was the the game-changing moment because that's the thing we talked about at the beginning of the podcast. It's those precise moments where the person can get defensive and you did the complete opposite. You leaned in energetically and physically. You like laid over, I was laying in the bed and you laid over my legs and you leaned into me and you were so genuine and so thoughtful and just so connected in this process. You didn't flinch, you didn't get weird, you didn't get defensive and you were so willing right away to explore what I had observed that you were unaware of. And that's such a testament to where you are on the path and just as a human and you being willing to have this kind of level of conversation with me in the way, in the capacity that you were, that's then when my mind got blown. And I thought, oh my God, this is what I've been praying for. And it was through and then I'll let you take it from here. It was through the discussion of this that then you partly had to watch the piece that doesn't want to be in discomfort, which you acknowledged a few days ago on a walk um, that was slightly at play. And then the bigger piece of you that's just, you know, goes beyond logic, just goes into that intuitive sense of you saying then to me, well. Yeah, it's, (laughs) I think what I was, what I was up against in that interaction was again, the analytical logical mind trying to make sense of something that is that you can't make sense out of because where that ceremony had taken us in your experience and where you saw me kind of not being there with you. And you're going like, what, why don't answer the question? Your eyes are closed and like Mm -hmm. all these kind of things. The realization there was, huh, there's something going on here with this woman that is on a different level that you can't figure out with your brain. And that there's a time, there's a, how do we say it? Uh, There's a time frame and a structure here that is currently being built as we're having this conversation that you can't figure out and there's no right way to do this. And so in that was that really trusting my heart and my intuition and having to discard 
the safety net of a structure that I had built, which again would have been like, we're going away. We're friends. We kind of know each other. We're getting to know each other. We're going on kind of a weekend date together, not as a couple, as two people that are pursuing dating, getting to know one another. Then in this ceremony, there's these incredibly spiritually bonding, sacred, very meaningful experiences that meant something to you that I was totally oblivious to. And when they were brought to my attention in that conversation, I had to have the open-mindedness and the compassion for you. Like, oh my God, shit, that really sucks that you're kind of there open, this beautiful woman who's who's not afraid, who doesn't have this analytical framework of how this is supposed to go. But you're like, whoa, this is turning into a thing. And I'm afraid of it being a thing, not according to my plan. Because in the past, when I've just gone with the flow, the flow has been at times very painful for right. all parties involved. So uh, at that point, you know, aside from just acknowledging your feelings and allowing you to have that and not make excuses for whatever, but just to look at, huh, why did I behave like that? It's like, dude, I'm scared shitless that I'm going to get hurt or that I'm going to hurt you and that this is moving faster than it should. Mm -hmm. Emotionally speaking, of course, now everyone keep in mind, there's no physicality at this right. point at all. So it's not going too fast. Like, oh, we slept together on second date. We shouldn't have done that. It was just like, whoa, like we're in a teepee and they're doing a flower ceremony. And then at the end of it, she's like, and you two are now married. I'm like, whoa, yeah. you know, all of my like love Shouts avoidant, to Vivian. <laughs> all my past, past love avoidant triggers and fears of being enmeshed or engulfed or trapped or moving too soon or getting hurt or abandoned or whatever, or like ding, ding, ding. Oh shit. So like I close my eyes. I'm just like, I, <laughs> la, la, la. I can't see you. I can't hear you. She didn't just say that we were married. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's just too much. I'm just like, this does not make sense. This is, I can't figure this out. And so in that moment, you know, again, nothing good ever comes from closing. What was I going to do? Like, dude, like slow down, slow your roll. Like what? I mean, I could have very easily gotten defensive or not acknowledge your experience, but instead, because because of the the open heartedness that that medicine specifically creates, yes, I mean, it is medicine of as the heart. Bizarre as I find that particular <laughs> cacti uh, and its effect on you, because it, you can't figure it out. The more you try to figure it out, the more annoying it gets. <laughs> the more it eludes you. Yes, <laughs> the more it eludes you. Uh, versus some other experiences where it's just so crystal clear, and I know exactly how to meander in those realms. The realms of the peyote, in my experience, are very. Uh, ob obtuse is mm -hmm. that the word? Is that a word? Obtuse? Mm -hmm. uh, just they're they're opaque and kind of vague, and you don't really know what's going on. But the the key thing that I'd have experienced in all six experiences is uh, is that my heart opens in a way, and there's this love that I experience for everyone and myself, and there's this capacity for open heartedness. So when you expressed what was going on with you, and you had those little triggers mm -hmm. that had come up. Uh, I was able to somehow keep my heart open and then actually go back into my mind and use the analytical mind in a constructive way. And that's where it went next. I thought, hmm, okay, so Luke, what you've got here is a woman who is opening her heart to you and she's saying, and I think you even said this, like, dude, I'm here. If you want to if you don't see me in full now, I don't know that you ever will yeah, is yeah. what I said. Yeah, and you're basically like, I'm ready to go there. And as scared as I was, because it defies all logic, this is not how this is supposed to work. You know, that's kind of where I was. I just thought, okay, well, let me open my heart and open my mind. And then I was brought to by intuition and 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 the guides of sorts, 
uh, a list uh, that I had made or a document rather that was my manifesto of the perfect mate, Mm -hmm. you know, just every attribute of their character and values and preferences and lifestyle and looks and all the things you could want in a dream partner. Mm-hmm. I had created a vision for that and, uh, and I'd written it down and it's in Evernote somewhere. I probably still have it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, well, I'm sure I do. It exists in the cloud. And, uh, and so in that moment, I remember just going, well, Hmm, I'm kind of freaked out, but here's this woman. Let me see how this adds up against what my vision is. And mm. then I started to, dictate to you from memory all of the things that I was looking for and the dream partner that I had envisioned. And, you know, 99.999% of those things were sitting there right in front of me. And that was just, no matter how many defense mechanisms I had or how afraid I was of being vulnerable or any of that, I just like, there was empirical evidence not only prove to my heart, but also to my mind that this actually does make sense, mm, you know? Yeah. And so it was a really interesting uh, meeting of heart and mind because you it was on paper. Like I had written it when I was not on peyote. I had written it when I wasn't under the influence of hormones or pheromones or excitement or, you know, the intrigue or mystique of someone new or any of that. None of that was there. I'm, I'm sitting right at that desk actually is where I wrote that freaking thing. Uh-huh. And uh, there it was. And it was like, she has this ding, 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 ding on the list. And and most of those things and the things that were most meaningful to me were your character attributes and your actual, who you are as a person of integrity and wisdom and kindness and all the, the things that I really have grown to even cherish more in you. And you're also super hot and all of those things too. Those are on the list, trust me. <laughs> you know, I won't share that list, but Big boobs. You know. <laughs> check, check. <laughs> There's some things like that. Sure, sure. You know, we all have our we all have our preferences. And um and so in that moment it was just I remember just crying, I think, right? I mean, you'll remember the details, but inside I was just like, Oh my god, Luke, fucking surrender, like let go, just let this be what it is. And then and then I, I think the conversation went something like, Okay, well, let's give this a shot and now we're a couple. And then I, and I think what happened, then we finally went to sleep. This is after being up for however many, 20 hours or something. Yeah, at least. Went to sleep. And I, and I believe the next morning you kind of gave me like a buyer's remorse clause. Yeah, you know, like I a did. way out. You I were, did. Something to the effect of like, okay, so we had this profound, deep experience. You conveyed that, you know, you had some kind of awakening, Luke, and you're willing to give this a shot. I'm going to give you an out here. Like, how are you feeling this morning? Yeah, for sure. Stone cold sober. I, and is this I, something you still want to pursue and all that? Well, yeah, definitely. Because I'm at a place in my life, like age wise, what I want to experience where I just, I, I am never going to want to coerce someone to be with me. Like it needs to be full on from your end. Like this is a yes. And so even before we went to bed, I said, how, okay. So I, I was like, okay, how about we sleep on this? This was, this was a lot. This was a big, <laughs> you think <laughs> this is the big conversation. Let's sleep on it and let's just revisit it in the morning when we wake up. And, and I woke up long before you. So yeah, when you came out, I was sitting on that yellow solar plexus chakra colored couch and you came over and I said, you know, how are you feeling about what you said last night? How are you feeling about it now? And I'll never forget it. You were kneeling on your knees, on the floor, kneeling in front of me, like kind of you know, sitting in between my legs as I'm sitting on the couch, if that makes sense. And we're facing each other. And I remember we just intuitively, 
leaned in and pressed our third eyes together. So we had our foreheads touching as this conversation was starting to happen. And you said, you know, I, I, nothing's changed. Like I feel the same. And then I remember expressing to you that it would be my greatest honor to be with you and to be your girlfriend and to be together as a sacred couple. And it was in that Airbnb in the middle of the desert, uh, you know, with our third eyes touching that we officially became a couple real quick yeah. in a weekend. <laughs> defied all uh, all logic and all plans and and thankfully so and and I think that there is a time to have a plan and there's also a time to be willing to adjust that plan when your heart says otherwise you and when know? you can feel God at work yeah yeah and to you know acknowledge like what's motivating you to move in one direction or the other and and I just had to trust like I hope I'm not delusional right now and mm-hmm. I hope I'm not being motivated by trying to please you or right. or whatever could be trying motivating. to escape the discomfort of that conversation yeah totally totally and that occurred to me like am I doing that am I doing that shit do I just want to make everything okay and I did just want to make everything okay because it was uncomfortable as fuck <laughs> but also I could have said like too fast like whoa pump the brakes, like, let's go back home, you know. And you said you knew though, if you had done that, you could feel that I was, it was going to be a wrap for me. Yeah. I don't think it was a negotiation for you. I got the sense that you were like, dude, if you can't see me, like I'm here, I'm open. You were so vulnerable and so receptive. And I just, I admired that, um, the courage that it took to put yourself out there in that way. And it was like, "Hmm, damn, she's really putting herself on the line here. And I don't want to discount that. And so, you know, there's a million other stories, but um, I want to move toward kind of wrapping it up. (laughs) Since we've been talking for three hours. It's two. But, um, you know, hey, man, maybe there's, you know, a couple of people hanging online that uh, might be inspired that there there is hope because I honestly, at times in my life thought like maybe, as you said um, earlier, that I'm just like, I suck at this and I'm just never going to get it right. And maybe I just have to learn how to be alone. And and I, I never totally gave up hope, but I did consider that as an option. Exactly. Uh, maybe I'm me. just too broken or karmically, like that's not my path. And I'm just supposed to be by myself uh, as I have been really most of my life, at least in my heart, you know? Right. Um, so uh, I think the funny thing about it is the, is that the bond between us has continued on <laughs> in very untraditional and unexpected ways because we still, and this was the one part of my plan that we did get according to my plan was that we weren't physically intimate for quite a while. A long time. Into the relationship and well after we had decided to be committed and monogamous. And I mean, I don't think we ever used the word monogamous. It just implied that we're together and that means you're not together with other people, which I love. Um, but it's just then that piece became no big deal. And I was very afraid when I was dating to express that because modern women don't really understand that. Like let's date for a while and not have sex until we're not together. Not all modern women. Cause I, I definitely, I was celibate for basically five years. Well, so. You're, you're an exception, but I yeah. have, I have experienced where a woman's like, wait, what, yeah. what, what, what year is this dude? Are you serious? Um, that's because, I was so freewheeling in, in the past, as I said. I mean, I just I wasn't that discriminating about with whom or when I decided to be intimate, and that gets um, that gets tricky. You yeah. know, hearts get hurt when you're when you're careless, mine and others. And I'm regretful of some of those experiences. So I thought I'm going to really honor that the physicality element and make sure that I'm really wanting to be with someone, and I can fully have a heart centered physical experience and yeah. not be thinking like, are they with other people? Am I? And like all that. I just don't want all that messiness. Um, but for us, it was just done for us through it, totally. <laughs> medicine journeys and different 
things go, you know, cycles Moon and cycle, different things. All the nature-based <laughs> yes. sacred divine things were, were not letting us be intimate. It kept us from being intimate for quite a long time, which was which was fine with me because that's how I wanted it. I wanted it to be special. I wanted to get to know someone. I wanted to have more meaning and sacredness around the physical part yeah. um, because as and I said, too. in the past at times there hadn't been and I know what that's like and I want more of that experience. So uh, there's that. But the really funny thing, the plan, and I don't know if I've ever illustrated this to you in terms of my linear timetable, but it was like meet a few people, date a few people, you know, you're going to gravitate toward the one you most bond with and kind of eventually weed out the other people, become exclusive with the one person that you like the most and they like you the most. Then you date for, you know, exclusively for, I don't know, maybe a year. You each have your own houses and your own lives. And then if that all goes well, then eventually you move in together and maybe after a year at least. And then, you know, and so on. And too yeah, well, you've told me this. You know, a period after that, perhaps you propose and you get engaged. Then not way long after that, you get married. And then maybe down the road, you have kids. You know, it's kind of like... Well, at that point, I would be like a 60-year-old mother. <laughs> so, you know, well, but anyways. Yeah, uh, apart from that, um, we are biohackers <laughs> though, whether you like it or not. Um, but anyway, I had this kind of linear plan. So moving in together was not going to, I mean, that was like, what? No, you had an apartment in New York. You had to go get this thing together. And then, you know, we were going to move out here. And I think initially, just logically, I thought, well, yeah, she'll go get her an apartment somewhere, a house or whatever. And then, you know, we'll, we'll see each other when we see each other and we'll each have our own separate places until we're really sure then we'll move in. But somehow in this unspoken way, I don't think either of us ever expressly said it, but it was just it sort of was just implied or just naturally happened that you were going to come out here for a longer period of time and just stay here at my house. And then it's kind of just like before a logical timetable started living together. Yes. And then this pandemic hit Correct. and we're going, Oh my God, thank God we're able to trust the heart plan and not the brain plan. Right. Because you'd be stuck in New York or going to live with your folks or doing whatever you'd do. And I'd be sitting in this goddamn house alone. No offense, Cookie, but I'd be sitting here with well, my yeah. dog. And, and when so- we went on one of those walks, that's what I was acknowledging and giving gratitude for is that had either one of us at any point in this pathway, any point in the juncture, yanked back, tethered back, flinched, gotten in fear mode, said no, not remained open, it would have thrown a glitch into this divine plan because I came out here with the cat to officially move in. And then within 48 hours, like the pandemic erupted. So had either of us pulled back at all the, this whole thing, this current beautiful situation that we have would have been totally different. You're you're right. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's just interesting to observe how Destiny, fate, karma, grace, luck, divine has, timing, miracles has played uh, a part in this, and how how it's been such a, such a relief to be able to share this time together and being cooped up, and it's also been a really good stress tester of the relationship because you know you get to know someone and it's relatively new and you take a trip or you move in really quick or you do whatever and you're forced to spend a lot a lot of time on top of each other you can annoy the shit out of each other even if you really like one another and have a great relationship so i think it's fascinating that um you and i have been spending so much time inside this house you couldn't be spending more time together (laughs) it's like an extended honeymoon that lasts months and um we're just having the best time ever and i just i appreciate that about you and i appreciate that God, thank God we're not going through this weird time um, on our own individually because mm-hmm. it's just, you know, there is such a safety in numbers and such a coziness and a love in the house that makes having to be home actually kind of nice. 
not yeah. really not really missing anything because everything I want is right here under the roof, including mm. you. For, for, <laughs> Thanks, honey. For someone that, um, and we're gonna we will wrap it up, but I just you know I wanted to get into some of your 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 path a bit and just shamanism and things like that. But one question that did pop in my head that I think would be interesting as we've just described how this plant medicine of peyote really facilitated the the speed at which our relationship has moved and the structure and the opening of our minds and hearts and us being able to operate in uh, a place of trust that has obviously proven itself thus far to be legitimate. What would you say to someone who thinks plant medicines are a drug mm. and that if you go to a ceremony that you're off doing drugs or something like that, because I know Oof. some people have not had that experience and they equate a mind altering substance mm. like peyote as drinking alcohol or doing cocaine or Ooh, any of that. Oh God. And, oh, so I'm like feeling so many huge waves, even just hearing you pose <laughs> the question that way hurt my heart so much. Well, as someone myself, that anyone that's listened to this show, you know, I, you know, quit doing drugs and drinking uh, 23 years ago because I had to and wanted to, it was not a, it was not a successful mission for me. I was in a, a world of hurt. And so I cleaned up my act. And I'm very grateful that I've been on the path of the straight and narrow since then. And in the past year plus or so, I've had a number of different experiences in the plant medicine realm, not for recreational purposes whatsoever. And anyone that's done them can attest that there's not any recreation in doing four nights of ayahuasca um, or peyote or whatever it is. It's it's work, you know, if that's what your intention is. And so um, it's something that's really opened up new worlds of healing and understanding for me and spiritual growth and connection in a way that I'm so grateful for. And it's so profound. And for me, it's just such a different thing than doing a drug to escape or mm. something of that nature, you right, know? Right, and right, um, right, 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 right. So I know this is something you understand, but I, I think many people don't understand uh, what the difference is. And um, mm. I think some people perhaps think people mm. like me are deluding myself and that I'm just mm. finding an excuse to do drugs mm. and calling it medicine or, mm. or something mm. of that nature. Well, one of the interesting points you already hit on, uh, you know, it is the antithesis, uh, you know, yeah, drugs to distract or to numb and plant medicines are the complete opposite. It's to face oneself, you know, so that right there is huge, complete opposite difference. So for me, I, I won't get into it too long because I know we've got a wrap soon, but uh, the place from which I operate from shamanically when it comes to plant medicines is you only work with a plant medicine if it calls to you because each of these plant medicines have a spirit. It, they are a living spirit. Uh, and so this highest divine intelligence and consciousness and energetic frequency and vibration that is this living being, that is this living spirit, that is grandmother medicine, ayahuasca, or grandfather medicine, peyote, or whatever the other examples are. The spirit of this plant, if it wishes to commune with you, and wishes to work with you, it will call to you. And this call will be unmistakable in some way. You will just know, there's just a deep knowingness that the spirit of peyote is calling to you. 
And if you are questioning whether it's a call, it will continue to come in and the call most times will get louder and clearer and more frequent. And so in my journey, after my divine intervention and spiritual awakening day, I then set out on a quest to just heal and whole myself. It was never a quest to become a shaman. It was in my devotion to heeding the calls and the guidance from my surrender moment to Great Father Sky, Great Spirit, God, Consciousness Source, and down into Great Mother Earth, Pachamama Gaia, surrendering to those places and asking for their guidance. They would show me the different healers I needed to go to to heal myself. In that devotion to that healing work, I had done enough practices that my internal light body and frequencies and codes had turned on. The ancient wisdom of my calling had turned on that I am a shaman. And it was, I had been a shaman and on the shamanic path for many, many, many years, having never done a plant medicine. And in fact, I, at some point actually kind of started, I'm not proud of this, but I started to, to pride myself on the fact that I was a shamanic practitioner who had never done plant medicines because there's so many misconceptions and misunderstandings and confusions around shamanism in general. And one of the biggest is that it automatically equates to plant medicine usage. And that is not true. And so it would blow people's minds when I would do podcast interviews or or just in conversation when they'd be like, wait a second, you're a shaman and you've never done plant medicine. And I'm like, yes. So I took that as an opportunity to educate and to teach. And I began to like that. So the first plant medicine that began to call to me was ayahuasca. And I know there's not time, unfortunately, for me to get into these really wild stories, how they presented and just the way it all came to me is really, really wild and miraculous. Um, But I really had to question in that first ceremony uh, that I actually didn't even know was going to turn into a plant medicine ceremony. It's very wild. Uh, But then I had to confront that within myself of like, oh, I need to let this identity go that I'm a shaman who has never done plant medicine or never worked in a sacred way with plant medicine. So I had to really let that identity break down. And um, I have just, in in a most honoring and sacred way, only worked with the medicines that have called to me. Um, and, and that's how I do it. And that's how I advise it because they will provide to you with wherever your soul is at, it will provide to you whatever energetic medicine, medicine, uh, messages and guidance that your soul needs at that time for your evolution to go where you need to go next. And that's the beauty of it. You may work with ayahuasca once and grand grandmother spirit gives you what you need and you may never hear the call to work with that plant medicine again. And that might actually be your journey with plant medicine is that one ceremony. Or you may continuously, like some people feel then called to open up a facility, uh, you know, the call for that particular medicine grows to that magnitude. Or for me, it was just a couple of uh, grandmother medicine ceremonies. And then the call, gosh, I wish I had time to tell the peyote uh, story, but I don't. Um, The way that came in was so pronounced and just so deep and and profound for me. Um, the, the, The call... I will just continue to honor it when it when and if it comes in. And if and if it never comes in again, I'm fine with that because I live by the calls. And that is personally how I feel these spirits and these highest intelligences and consciousness 
and, and plants should be worked with. They should never be worked with in a dishonoring way. They should be done only with uh, the highest of intentions, facilitated by people that devote their life to these practices, that take sacred oaths to work with these medicines and do it in the most reverent way. And that is that is just what I choose to do. And that's what I advise people to do. I don't know if that even answered your question, but that's what came out. <laughs> Well, it certainly was passionate. Okay. Yeah, you get me talking about shamanism and I'm, yeah. Well, you know, I, I think in the context of, you know, wrapping up the story of how... It's, it couldn't, that is the most sacred work and recreational yeah. drug use is not that. Yeah, well, I think what's interesting is, you know, the fruits of our experience would have been much different had we gone to the desert and went on a Coke binge for two days or wow, a drinking binge. I cannot or, even, even just hearing you say that feels well, I mean, so weird. But that's how, like, that's the contrast between those experiences. Like the opposite of escaping, as you said so correctly, the opposite of escaping from your current reality, medicine's done with the right people at the right time in the right way bring you deeper into yourself and into reality, Facing. however uncomfortable that even might be right. at some point or in other circumstances. For me, those experiences have been absolute sheer, utter bliss, oneness and communion with God. You know, mm -hmm. And for anyone that's not had that type of experience brought about through medicines, that could sound um, uh, unlikely or impossible. But when you've been there, you just know. Mm -hmm. And um I just think that that piece of our relationship is really interesting and something that I'm glad we had the opportunity to share and experience together. Because as you said earlier, part of my vision was someone that was open-minded to that experience, but is also not someone who does habitual recreational drugs or alcohol and no judgment against people that do. Yeah, my hat's off to you. Have fun. Have one for me. But that's just not my path. And I, I really would not want to be in a relationship with someone who drinks or like smokes weed habitually or like does drugs to escape or even just to party and have fun, even though there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. It's yeah, just and I not, don't do any of that. Yeah. And that was one thing I was like on my list was someone who's like, doesn't do drugs, isn't, you know, doesn't have issues in that way, but is also in understanding of, respectful of, and uh, open-minded or willing to participate in the other side of that, which is, you know, sacred like, ceremony. The, yeah, sacred ceremony or the use of, you know, clinical psychedelics with a therapist or, you know, some of the things that are opening up now, um, on, in both realms, both clinically and in terms of, um, shamanically. So I just feel like I won the lottery in so many ways, that being just one of them. And I think it's an important distinction to make for people who don't have the experience or lack the understanding and think that all of those things are categorized together as one thing because mm, they're most certainly not. Absolutely. So I just wanted to touch on that and get your perspective uh, as someone who is kind of like me, even though, you know, you're not, you don't have the past that I have and a reason for avoiding right. like drug I, abuse. I've never, you know, said one day like, okay, I'm becoming sober. It's just that just organically opened up for me. I just became sober because the vibrations, the lower vibrations of alcohol and marijuana and, and some of, some of those things for me just energetically were not a match. So it just phased itself out. Yeah, I remember when you found the bottle of red wine in my kitchen. Felt so a couple off. Of weeks ago, you're like, "What is this doing in here?" I'm like, "I don't know. Someone left it here. Whatever." It's that. I just, 
I didn't even know it was there. When I did, I was just going to leave it in case someone came over. Energetically, at some point it felt so weird. Drink and you, you're like, can we get rid of this? I was like, ah, oh, that's cool. That's that's my girl. It just felt super low vibe. Yeah, it's funny. And again, I'm not judging. Just for me, energetically in my life, you know, if you're sitting having a glass of wine right now, fine. It's just for me, the energetics of that feel very low. Yeah. And I wanted it out of the house. Yeah, I think it did. Oh, I gave it to my... Uh, Get it yeah, out of here. Yeah, I gave it away, actually. I gave it away. I did. That was a, that was a good call. Okay, so uh, in, in wrapping this up, I've been watching you diligently work on your book. Oh, yeah. You got an amazing book deal, yeah. and, uh, which has unfolded since we've been together, which was a huge dream so of yours. So beautiful, yeah. So the book won't... You know, you're writing it now, so it won't be out by the time this comes out, but tell us about the premise of your book and mm-hmm. stuff, just as a, as a little sneak peek. Well, teaser taster. You Yeah. So the book is called Power Animals, Energy, Medicine, and Meditations for Your Greatest Life. And I am writing a fresh, new, modern, and sacred uh, spirit animal guidebook. So I'm going to be featuring 100 different animals. Uh, I am a medium for the spirit animal world. And that has been something that opened up from the day I had my awakening. And that relationship with the spirit animal kingdom has only grown and grown and grown every day for many years to the point where I channel their messages and give live readings. I'm a medium for them. I'm, I'm one of, in a, in a very sacred honoring way, I'm, I'm one of the voices for them. So each animal will share their channeled messages and the healing traits and properties that they're known for. And then there's a power practice for each animal so that, you know, I wanted to go beyond just, oh, I see ladybugs all the time. So I go to the ladybug entry and I read that she represents this and then what? Because people always are like, then, then what? So these power practices are channeled rituals and meditations and practices specifically designed for that animal so that you can deepen the rapport and understanding of why they're coming into your life and learning in a hundred different ways how you can work with the spirit animal world because it has been one of the biggest game changers for me. And then there'll also be a card deck with it. So I'm super excited. I'm going to be sharing, um, I guess I'll put this out there. I hadn't even thought about this until this moment, but- I am uh, sharing with some of the animals, uh, people that have had really life-changing experiences working with a particular animal, uh, some of the incredible indigenous elders I know, some of the very high-level spiritual teachers that I know, they've already contributed for the animal that uh, they want to share about, and uh, celebrities, just different people. So I, I, I don't even know where they'll submit their responses, but if somebody is listening and you've had a really life-changing uh, sacred experience working with a particular animal, maybe um, send a message to one of us and perhaps- com. Uh, yeah, you can go to my website. Contact form. Yeah, there is a contact form. Okay, thanks for helping me out with that piece because I was not going to say this at all. But um, if you feel called uh, and your story feels in alignment, uh, then maybe I'll get back in touch and you will perhaps be one of these stories in the Power Animals book. Yeah. Awesome. Uh-huh. And- I'm sure I'll mention it in the show notes, but then uh, you and I, one of them will have already passed because it would have come out yesterday at the Mm -hmm. time of this release, but we're going to be doing uh, this Friday, actually on April 24th, 1130 to 1230 Pacific time, 
a live stream event together. I know. So fun. So cute, honey. Yeah, I'm excited uh, with Frequency Mind. And so people can go to lukestory.com forward slash events. So many of our live events, mine and yours, have been postponed due to this current situation. So everyone's kind of uh, coming up with unique and creative ways to spend time together online. So we'll do that together this Friday. Yeah, it's really cool. And then... Tell us about your online course that you've also been working very hard on. I have. I've really poured my heart and soul into this. So thank you for asking. It's called Soul Reboot Spirit School. And I had done a first uh, version of this this past summer and it was so life-changing for all the participants that I knew I wanted to do another round. Um, So the irony of divine timing, I filmed this version of Soul Reboot Spirit School um, in San Francisco to camera so it can be available to anyone across the the world. And it was like the next day that the pandemic broke out. And when I was asking myself, you know, how can I, because I was deep diving once this erupted and, and really learning the new energy systems. And I wasn't feeling very activated on social. And I kept asking, how can I be most of service? And one of the ways and one of the answers that came through, it was genuinely through this course. So it's a nine class online course and every single class I guide you and different really, really potent and powerful shamanic journeys and meditations to explore pretty much. I mean, we're, we're covering a lot of the dimensions and facets of ourselves. There are guided shamanic journeys to meet your core power spirit animal, or if you already know that one, you can call the animal for that wants to work with you most of this time. There's past life journeys. There's shadow work uh, journeys for you to face and transcend your greatest fears, which is an absolute vital key in embodying your greatest power. And it's just so wild to realize that this course is could not be more perfect for this time because it's really going to help people birth a, a new trust, a deeper trust within themselves. It's going to teach you how to access and communicate with the unseen realms um, because everything is changing. And we're, we're entered into what we call it shamanism uh, is a, a void, an energetic void, which is what is occurring on the planet. And anytime you get thrust into that, it can feel very foreign and confronting and scary. And Soul Reboot Spirit School are all these incredibly powerful rituals and practices that can keep you centered in your power and you can really align with your calling. So a lot of people have lost their jobs and I can tell you from experience, you can come out of these voided states as your grandest, brightest self. These these spaces also are the field of infinite possibilities. So I'm going to take you into the spaces of these different possibilities so you can emerge like a phoenix rising and not have this time, you know, take you down. It can be a very miraculous time. So for your listeners, we'll do a code. Um, if this speaks to you, which I hope it does, you can go to soulreboot.allisoncharles.com. And then when you're checking out, just put the code lifestylist and they'll get uh, 10% off. And I just made this very accessible and affordable. And no matter where you're at on the spiritual path, this course will serve you. Whether you're brand new and you want to be held in safe, sacred space, I do that. Or whether you've been walking it, these shamanic journeys, you can go as deep as you need to go on a shamanic level. So it's there for everyone. And I'm really, really proud of it because it's honestly the culmination of many, many lifetimes of my work. And when I was watching the edited videos back, it really hit me. I was like, wow, it's taken a lot for me to get to this place where I can hold this kind of powerful energetic container and deliver all of these different shamanic journeys. Um, it's, it's big and I'm really, really proud of it. And it can serve you in profound ways. I've seen it happen for thousands and thousands of people for many years. And now it's available to anyone listening. 
Awesome. Yeah, very exciting. That's a really great breakdown. Damn, Thanks. I'm glad we recorded that. <laughs> uh, in terms of the timeline on that, uh, at the time of this release, it will be April 21st, I believe right. this, this drops, and your registration would have opened yesterday on the 20th, right. is that right? Yes, and yes. Then it, and then it's open for how long? Because I, I know people hear stuff like this, and they're like, cool, yeah, I'll do that next month, but oh. this is a limited... Yeah, yeah, especially to get uh, the intro rate, you get you got to get in within these first two weeks. So yeah, okay. get it, get in and get on it. I I don't know that we want to close the door because, like I said, this can be really of service in a big way for this pandemic time. Um, but if you want to make it the most uh, cost effective for you, you've got two weeks to do it. Okay, which cool. at this point would be thirteen days. And we'll put the links uh, and the promo code and stuff in the show notes. And if you're on the newsletter. Uh, you would have already had that in your inbox with all of the clickable links and everything we talked about in today's episode. Although I think we mostly talked about ourselves, and we're so self-indulgent. No, don't um, say that. No, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We're not. If anyone made it to the end of this, they don't think oh that because gosh. they learned something. But uh, uh, in all seriousness, if you go to lukestory.com forward slash newsletter, you will get the newsletter for next week's episode and everyone after that with the complete show notes and clickable links and anything mentioned every episode. And that's also going to have a link in that newsletter for complete transcripts of every episode. So every word spoken on this podcast from now on is written out and you can get that by going to lukestory.com forward slash newsletter. So there, a bunch of family plugs in there. And with that, my darling angel, sweetheart, I just want to say I love you so much. You're such a stellar, stellar woman. You're an inspiration to me and um, your kindness and wisdom and integrity and honesty and commitment to your own evolution and growth and everything about you uh, is just fantastic to spend time with. And there's no one else I would rather share the end of Western civilization with. (laughs) You can't top that. You could not have put that better. You know how much I love you. I mean, I'm grateful beyond words that the good Lord brought us together. It's truly a miracle. And uh, you know, you're the most inspiring person I've ever met. And uh, for those that don't know your backstory, I hope that they can locate it somewhere and learn it because you have faced and traversed some of the darkest, scariest waters and come out just like such a shining, beautiful king. So thank you for treating me so well. And my last words of wisdom are do not settle. <laughs> Because I, so many times in my path, like after going through such a traumatic previous, very long-term relationship and having so much PTSD and having to do so much deep work around that, I could have chosen, you know, to stay single and, and not, there's not that there's anything wrong for those people that choose that. But for me, I wanted to be in partnership and all those years of being celibate, um, you know, there were opportunities where I could have dated or could have been with someone. And I just that deep self-love that it comes back to just wouldn't let me settle. And I just thought, well, you know, I just, I just prayed and you just treat me so incredibly well and just honor me and you blow my mind every day. So thank you for loving me the way that you do. It's so liberating and so empowering and you want me to succeed. You don't try to hold me back and stop my light. Like you, it's what I've always wanted. I wanted someone who would see my power and want it to grow. And you do that for me. And I cannot thank you enough. Amen. Amen. Aho. So 
there's a very special episode of the Lifestyles Podcast. Thanks for joining us, folks. <laughs> There'll be many more. We have plans, you guys. So if you enjoyed this conversation, you look forward to to many more and some co-hosting and some fun things we have in mind, uh, including, uh, as I said, this Friday, our live stream where we're going to do some guided yeah, meditations. Yeah, love and, and shamanic medicine, birthing your greatest life from the void. You're going to guide a meditation and I'll take them on a shamanic journey. Yeah, it's going to be rad. So excited to work with you too. Mm-hmm. Excited to work with you, honey. All right, you guys, we're out of here. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for joining me and our lovely guest, Allison Charles, in this very heartfelt episode of the Lifestylist Podcast. Uh, what a gift to be able to share her with you. Uh, if you'd like to get more of Allison's magic, I want to encourage you to check out her brand new online course. You can find that at Soul Reboot. AllisonCharles.com. That's soulreboot.allisoncharles.com. That's also in the show notes, as is your discount code Lifestylist, which saves you 10%. And then again, this Friday, April 24th, we'll be presenting a live stream together with Frequency Mind, a guided meditation, shamanic journey, etc. You can get entry to that virtual event at lukestory.com forward slash events. Speaking of events, we've had a few of them postponed this year, but as of now, this is where you can expect to find me. Quixmala, Mexico, June 17th through 24th. Paleo Effects in Austin, July 14th through 16th. Upgrade Labs in Beverly Hills, July 14th through 26th. Meet Delic in LA, August 8th and 9th. And finally, the Health Optimization Summit in London, September 12th and 13th. You can find all of those live events as well as the aforementioned live stream that I'm doing this Friday, April 24th with Allison, again at lukestory.com forward slash events. That's lukestory.com forward slash events. Also on my website, you'll find another tab, lukestory.com forward slash store, where you can find all of our show sponsors like Juve. They make this incredible red light therapy technology. Use this stuff all the time. If you're a regular listener, you know I talk about it all the time. I'm always posting it on my Instagram, at Luke Story, once again. Uh, for that matter, follow Allison. I am Allison Charles. Uh, you can also find Four Sigmatic there, the amazing medicinal mushrooms and coffee products these guys make. And of course, Super Fat with those chronic ass keto cookies and the fat packs. Super Fat is awesome. You can also find them at superfat.com. Just trust me on this one. Get yourself some of the super fat keto cookies. They are ridiculous. And it's unbelievable that they don't have sugar and carbs. I mean, like honestly eating them, I'm going, how are these keto? I don't even know how this is possible, but however they did it, they did it. And you can get down with that at superfat.com. So thank you so much for joining me on this very special episode of the Lifestylist Podcast. And again, I'll be back uh, on Friday to just wreck your life big time, uh, or at least your preconceived ideas about life with uh, Dr. Buttar, where we talk about the current pandemic. And then uh, back to a uh, more positive point next Tuesday with Ryland Englehart of Cafe Gratitude, where we talk about uh, the soul of soil and regenerative farming. So I'm really excited about the content I have the opportunity to present to you. And I want to thank you so much for following the work here at the Lifestylist Podcast. Thank you for sharing it with your friends. Thank you for the ratings and reviews. Anything and everything you have done and will do to support the mission here is greatly appreciated. And with that, I will send you the highest blessings and goodwill until we meet again.